Sugar Fueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Raiders of the Lost Park, a one-off pulp comedy game. Episode 1. This is Raiders of the Lost Park. Uh, it is a pulp action comedy game, wherein you need not take it seriously or be bound by the laws of gravity or physics or any of that sort of thing. Um... We have a wide collection of fabulous uh, pulp heroes here for you to select from, and then one who will inevitably be kidnapped as Meredith's character, possibly to return and possibly to not. Uh, so, you may have your selection of these fabulous pulp heroes. We have Guy Incognito, the pilot, sidekick, red shirt, and token black guy. Uh, we have Dr. Reginald Jones, movie scientist who, as a movie scientist, you know all science everywhere, forever and ever. Uh, we have Kansas Carter, who is, of course, the movie babe, filling the hot chick role. Uh, Brooke Harris, not the thing. Or in where you sit there. No, it's... it's Oink with the glimmers. It's, yeah. it's, the, <laughs> it's the hero's girlfriend type thing. Yeah. Miss Piggy? Uh, Brooke Harrison is the square jaw. We don't get into the Muppets now? Ooh. Muppets of the Lost Park. Grace Halling, Falling Hawk is the native uh, woman from somewhere <coughs> with mystic powers. Generically native. And Wong Wei is the mysterious kung fu guy. Them's the subtlety of the jokes. <laughs> Voice of the editor here. So then our players sat down and read through the character sheets available to pick out the characters. If you're interested in what they were looking at, I'm now going to read those out to you, our listeners, so that you can get an idea of what characters they're picking out from. If you want to just skip over that and get straight to the actual game, that's fine too. You want to skip ahead in this audio to about the 14 minute mark where we start into the game proper. Dr. Reginald Jones is the movie scientist. He was born smart, fast-tracked through school and university where he spent years mastering all and any of the sciences. Everything from astronomy to geography to physics to craniology, like any good movie scientist, he's competent in all fields. You might think you'd have to have hidden in a dark basement and studied 24-7 to achieve this, but no. Dr. Jones is fit and good-looking, socially developed, and always wears a lab coat even in the middle of summer. His old student, Grace Falling Hawk, showed up a week ago, claiming a sense of impending destiny had brought her here. That same day, a letter appeared from his old friend, historian Dr. Claudius Carter, claiming that he might be in trouble. He would write again in two days. If not, the worst had happened, and Dr. Jones would need to come to Istanbul to find him. Two days later, he called in help. Dr. Jones's special skill is science. Using theory and practical application, his knowledge of science can be rationalized to aid him in even the most implausible situations, be it abusing the laws of physics or constructing a pocket submersible. His great weakness is his scientist glasses. They're not there to just make him look clever. Without them, he can't see in front of his face. Fortunately, his understanding of the laws of physics keeps them on his face most of the time, even when that seems unlikely. Dr. Jones's relationships to the other characters? Brick Harrison is his best friend. Reliable, helpful, and smolderingly good-looking in a completely platonic way. Kansas Carter is Dr. Claudius Carter's daughter, a beautiful young lady that's inherited his brilliance and his flair. Wong Wei is a friend of Kansas's and clearly a wise man. Despite the fact Dr. Jones knows nothing about him, Wong's obvious Asian mysteriousness makes him appear trustworthy. Grace Fallinghawk is Dr. Jones's most brilliant pupil, a native princess of her people. She turned up out of the blue to assist him with finding Dr. Carter. Now that she's not Dr. Jones's student anymore, it's getting increasingly hard to ignore just how tight those native dresses are. 
And Guy Incognito. Uh, Dr. Jones thinks he showed up with Grace. Any friend of hers is okay by you, even if you've never met him before. Kansas Carter is the movie babe. She was born in New York, daughter of famed historian Dr. Claudius Carter. Even though her father could never find time for her, she knew he cared by the way that he threw money at her. She learned the famed Mistress Claire's Parisian School for Educated Young Women, where, among other things, she learned gambling, smoking, and fencing. Even in Paris, she seemed to constantly be living in her father's shadow, so she fled to Asia to make her own life. Despite a series of romantic encounters and an endless list of wannabe suitors, she has yet to find a man handsome enough to find true love with. Of course, she's incredibly gorgeous, stacked, smart, sophisticated, and an independent woman, so it has to happen someday. Kansas hasn't spoken to her father in almost six months, but when she got the call he was missing, she rushed back to New York. Her special skill is that she is implausibly competent with blades. A few fencing lessons in a French boarding school has rendered her incredibly competent with all manner of blades. Using a rapier is basically the same set of skills as throwing knives, right? Uh, Kansas's weakness is her feminine ankles. She can do everything in high heels just fine. Fight, drive a motorbike, jump, dance... Uh, except run away from a dangerous situation. Being blonde and a woman, she has an extraordinarily high chance of falling over and twisting her ankle in that situation. Kansas's relationships to the other characters. Uh, Grace Falling Hawk is some sort of mumbler of mystic mumbo-jumbo. She doesn't do anything much. She's a friend of Dr. Jones's, and she's nowhere near as attractive as Kansas. Dr. Reginald Jones is a genius because he has a lab coat and glasses, which proves he's intelligent. Wong Wei came to Kansas's aid in Asia, where a group of ninjas attacked her in an alley. Since then, he's taken on the role of her bodyguard, speaking in cryptic phrases about destiny. Brick Harrison is swooningly good-looking, and doesn't seem to be aware that he should be hit over heels in love with Kansas. Guy Incognito. Kansas thinks she was introduced to him as Wong Wei's brother, but that doesn't seem right. I mean, Guy's black and Wong is Asian. Uh, it must be some complicated family thing. Guy brings back a faint memory of her past, for some reason. Wong Wei is the mysterious Kung Fu guy. He is a member of the Order of the Mystical Flying Crane Tiger, raised as an orphan at their monastery. Long have the Order told of the ancient prophecies of a dark destiny that must be prevented. The tale of the serpent that crushes the world, summoned by he who has mustache like albino tiger, and the lady of many notable curves who will be the chosen one who defeats them. When travelling through the streets of Asia... Wong came across a woman of surpassing beauty. The only thing more arresting than her magnificent cleavage was the dozens of white ninja army members sneaking up on her. Long has the Order opposed the evil white ninja and his clan. He came to the aid of the woman, battling the ninjas and rescuing her. An aura of destiny surrounds her. When the call comes for her to leave Asia to investigate her father's disappearance, you know you must go with her. Wong's special skill is Waiafu Acrobatics. He is a skilled martial artist, a master of such secret techniques as Slumbering Bear Greets the Dawn, Octopus Fists of Fury, and Hungry Gopher Strikes from Beneath. He's also a master of wire foo, enabling incredible acts of balance and acrobatics. His weakness is his pointless traditional restrictions, because as a proud member of the Order, he's taken strict vows against using weapons of any kind. Tools like swords, guns, or chopsticks are for hated rivals like the White Ninja, not for Wong. He refuses to even touch such weapons. Wong's relationship to the other characters? Kansas Carter, the lady of many notable curves. She is fierce and alarmingly good at wielding a long blade. She has impressed you with her sense of honor, courage, and cleavage. And Wong has accompanied her back to New York to see where destiny takes them both.
Dr. Reginald Jones is the scientist who called Kansas with the news of her father's disappearance. He doesn't understand the mysteries of the East, trademark, but seems to know absolutely everything else about everything else, whether it's plausible or not. Grace Fallinghawk. Wong recognizes a lifetime of training and discipline at work and detects the glowing hints of mysticism about her, but knows nothing whatsoever about her native culture. She has spoken with Wong about her own people's tales of the serpent that crushes the world, but the story didn't have enough ninjas to interest Wong. Brick Harrison is a man among men who towers above you, looking straight down over Wong and straight down Kansas' top. Guy Incognito? Wong thinks this is Dr. Jones's lab assistant. He never really got a proper introduction, and it seems rude to ask now. Grace Fallinghawk is the mystic native. Uh, as the native princess of her tribe, it's long been her role to guide and protect her people. She spent many long decades mastering the arts of the native shaman, but still somehow found time to go into the world and learn the white man's ways. As a wise shaman, Grace naturally opposes evil and bad stuff, which has several times brought her into contact with a terrible Thule Society, a Nazi organization bent on abusing mystical power. Huffing a lot of smoke and going on a spirit quest revealed to Grace, well, a lot of weird things, actually. The ancient and terrible Rainbow Serpent threatens to rise again to destroy the world. The Thule Society is involved. Destiny swirls around Dr. Reginald Jones. And above all else, she must avoid the giant fire-breathing dinosaur of doom. On second thoughts, the giant fire-breathing dinosaur of doom might have been just smoke, and not a genuine mystical vision. Still, best beware. Grace's heroic skill is poorly defined native magic. She can perform any number of little shamanistic minor magic and miracles, summoning light, smoke, fire, prestigitation, and the incredible ability to keep her teeth always perfectly white despite living in the, out in the wilderness. Her weakness is the irritating native soundtrack. Anything she does can't be done in silence. Whenever she uses her magic, it summons the sound of tinkling bells, flutes, chanting, and other such noises. Grace's relationship with the other characters. She sees Kansas as an admirable woman, but dismissive of her hocus-pocus. Dr. Reginald Jones mentored Grace during her days in white man's education. He has always been patient, wise, and devilishly handsome. Unfortunately, he seems to respect her for her mind alone. Wong Wei is Kansas's protector and a mystic in his own right, who has spoken to her of the people, of his people's prophecies regarding the Rainbow Serpent. Brick Harrison is a droolingly handsome man, almost belying the fact that he has a bizarrely shaped square jaw and is in love with his own hat. Guy Incognito is someone who hangs around Kansas. Her boyfriend, Grace guesses. Guy Incognito is the sidekick, the red shirt, and the token black guy. He was born in a small suburban town named Littleville. And all his life, he struggled with the feeling that something's wrong with him, like people seem to look right past him. He's tried to solve the problem in high school by hanging out with Brick Harrison, the star quarterback everyone adored. A sense of impending doom seemed to hang over Guy at first on his adventures with Brick, but it seems to have gone away now that Guy somehow survived car wrecks, muggers, falling off buildings, and other such calamities. In fact, Guy's life is extraordinarily successful. High grades in education, a series of good investments, he has a modest fortune, his own plane, speedboat, large house, all the commodities a man could ever want. And yet, there's still something missing. When Brick received the call from Dr. Jones, naturally Guy accompanied him. Maybe this will be the adventure Guy can make his mark in. Guy's special skill is inconceivable luck. Things just seem to go right for him. A banana peel fortunately in the way of a childhood bully chasing him. The way he just happened to have a life jacket on when that faulty roller coaster launched him out over the Atlantic, stumbling over that one fuse in the dark catacomb. 
His weakness, however, is plot invisibility. None of the good things he does ever seem to get attributed to him. People just don't seem to treat him with the same respect they afford others, and half the time they don't even notice he's there, to be honest. Guy's relationships with the other characters? Brooke Harrison is someone he played football with back in high school. Guy has been his pilot on several of his explorations around the world. Grace Fallinghawk is someone that Guy met previously when looking for native cures for influenza, and helped her with her research to assist her tribe. She doesn't seem to remember Guy, but it was a good five years ago. Dr. Reginald Jones, Guy is very familiar with, having been on several trips with him and Brick. Very smart man, the top of whatever field he claims expertise in. Kansas Carter is somebody that Guy dated in Paris a few years back. He even asked her to marry him, but she wasn't quite ready to commit. Maybe someday. Wong Wei is somebody that Guy has just been introduced to, hanging around on Kansas's arm. It's pretty easy to dislike him because, well, someone like Guy can't compete with someone like Wong. Our final character won't be played in these sessions, but is a pre-generated character built in with the others. That's Brick Harrison, the square-jawed All-American hero. Uh, he is an All-American football hero, quarterback of his team, a dashing hero who has been an explorer, a fireman, a male model, and a puppy rescuer. Uh, he has been brought into conflict with the sinister Thule Society and Baron Otto von Ruthless a charismatic champion of men with special skills in being manly and a weakness of an irrational attachment to his fedora hat. That's what our players have read, and now that you've heard that, you've probably got a good indication of what sort of cliches we'll be throwing at this game. So sit back, enjoy it, and hopefully you have a good laugh. Get me up for science. science. Dr. Reginald Jones, movie scientist. One way is my first pick. Uh, fuck it. You're the movie babe. I'm the movie babe. You will want about 3d6-ish a piece. So, the system for this, uh, you have a bunch of d6s sitting in front of you. Uh, yeah. Rolling uh, in theory. Uh, <coughs> rolling four fives and sixes <coughs> are successes. Rolling ones, two are failures. The amount of dice you have to roll depends on how hard the thing you are doing is which will be measured character to character. Doing manly arm wrestling stuff is really easy for Brick Harrison and much harder for girls who are inherently weak and stuff. Um, likewise, you know, coming up with a clever science solution is pretty much writing Dr. Jones' ballpark, whereas not, not so much the Asian guy. Uh, so that's the system. You tell me what you want to do. I say, yeah, okay, uh, give me 2d6. You roll them. You say, I have one success. I have two successes. I have a gigantic string of failures. Uh, what you have here are these fine quality hero points, which contain a little picture of everyone's special skill on them. Um, you have three of them. Uh, after you have rolled the dice, if you don't like what you have rolled, then you throw hero points at it, uh, grab the dice and flip them to whatever you like. Uh, so you say, right, I'm failing this. I spend a hero point. That was totally a six the whole time. I succeed. Or you can spend them on other people's rolls um, to make them better or to make them worse, as you desire. Um, the condition of that one, however, if you're spending them on your own rolls, you don't have to justify what you're doing in any way. If you're spending them on other people's roles, then you need to justify how your amazing particular special skill that your character possesses is helping the other person achieve this. Which can be something that you are doing right there and then. Um, 
you know, you are cheering encouragement to them or whatever, or it can be flashback to the scene where Dr. Jones explains the principles of science to you and how it will help you in this future situation that you you just so happen to have run perfectly into. Which principles of science? Yes. All the principles of science. Uh, and you are also free and invited to dick each other by um, screwing each other over and changing each other's roles for two negatives as well. Uh, is this a uh, non-refreshing call? Or no, this this is the GM's pile of hero points to hand purely for the purpose of handing out the players. Observe how many of them I have. <laughs> uh, you receive more of them every time you do something awesome. Or have a fantastic pun, or one-liners, or make other players at the table laugh, or make the GM laugh, or anything of that sort. So, treat them like water, because they will pretty much flow as such. We'll go back and round, and back and round, and back and round, and back and round. So, do I owe you one of these back already? (laughs) Yeah, when they're terrible, (laughs) terrible puns, it, it depends how amused the GM is by them. So... That's the system for it, um, which uh, should be as clear as mud. The setting is, it is 1930-something. don't need to be terribly specific, because this is the pulp movie universe. Uh, this is pulp movies uh, that, that I have in mind for things like this. I think like Indiana Jones, the um, 90s mummy movies, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, not Nothing with Tom Cruise in it ever. Uh, but, but all of that cranked, cranked to about 14 on the dial of 1 to 10 in terms of ludicrousness. So I, I will fully accept um, that you can build a submarine if you have a pocket knife and bamboo, because that seems very reasonable to me. Um, I'm not allowed to use a pocket knife. <laughs> you, most of you have sawed-all equipment listed on your character sheet. It's mostly just if you think you should have a thing, you probably have it. If I disagree, you can roll the dice. If you want to arbitrarily declare there's a beer bottle you can grab and smash someone, it's right behind you. That sort of thing. No. (laughs) Because what's your weakness, Wong? You have pointless traditional restrictions. Actually listed as such. Just every example you've given of cool stuff you can do, I can't do. (laughs) That's the wonderment of technology. There, there, dear. The setup here is Dr. Claudius Carter, who is an old friend of yours, Dr. Jones, and Kansas, your father, of course. Um, he is well known to both of you to be the world expert on something called the Rainbow Serpent, uh, which is supposed to be um, an ancient god that has appeared across multiple native mythologies, yeah, generically native mythologies. Um, and he has recently sent Dr. Jones a letter that is somewhat troubling. And when our adventure begins with the, um, what's the Indiana Jones music? See, Dr. Jones no doubt standing in a lab full of science. Of course. I'm, I'm just tipping some unstrange liquid into a, from a beaker into another beaker and it fizzles like... Entirely purposeful. Mm, yes. Mm, yes. Yes. Yep. yep. 
And the surprisingly attractive post postwoman comes in, comes in and says, "Letter for you, Doctor Jones," and hands it to you. Oh like, yes, thank you very much, yeah. Stacy. Like, like all women in the pulp movie universe, she's under thirty because once you go past thirty, you disappear. Um, and you open this letter, and mm, we see a serious look on Doctor Jones's face as he reads this. Uh, well, in fact, as he holds the letter up and it is read aloud in Dr. Carter's voice, he says, My dear old friend, Reginald, old boy, I'm so close I can taste it. The Rainbow Serpent. I believe I've finally located the lost park where it was said to be hidden. Imagine it, my dear fellow, a collection of artifacts that has inspired mythology throughout the globe. It's a historian's dream. But I have little time to say any more. I fear I've been followed. I saw two men lurking in the alleyway outside my office. I think they were watching me. I've asked my dear friend Abdul to hide me in the city. I will write again in two days. If you don't hear from me, then I fear the worst has happened. Come and find me. Bring that strapping young fellow you know and whoever else you think you might need. Obviously, I can't give you my new address because I've lost the piece of paper that I wrote it down on. Ask for Abdul at the Camel Spit, a quaint local eatery, and he'll tell you everything. Forgive me, old friend, I have no time to write any further. I have to drive into town, stop for lunch, have a daily constitutional walk, queue at the post office, buy a stamp, seal this envelope, then buy an ice cream to take that nasty envelope taste out of my mouth. And with all that to do, I'm afraid I haven't the slightest bit of time to detail my exciting discovery. Nope, not even enough time to hint at it in any way, shape, or form. Perhaps I'm simply worried over nothing. If so, expect another letter in two days. Your friend, Dr. Claudius Carter. Well, that seems entirely reasonable. And then, of course, we cut the clock and... Two days later, you have not received a letter. And thus, the team has been called in. And we see everybody assembling at Dr. Jones's science lab. Um, where Hank, your plucky young assistant, who looks <coughs> exactly like 1960s Batman's Robin... Um, is sitting in the background excitedly greeting people as they come in. At this point, the camera pans round, and we can see all of your characters, including the surprisingly absent-looking Brick Harrison, who is a square-jawed, you know, football player-type manly man who's standing there, just looking buff in the background of every scene and saying nothing because he's only here for the eye candy. Is, is he flexing in like a lab mirror? He, he is indeed. He's not, not intentionally, it's just he happens to be posed, you know, like this so he can see the bicep curving kind of thing. And adjusting his hat. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and he has the classic Indiana Jones fedora hat on. Amazing. Uh, and thus the camera pans around, and you're welcome to tell me what the camera is looking at as it passes from character to character. Is anyone you particularly want to start on? And straight past guy and I was going to pretty much say, there's a guy, you think, inside Brock's shadow. No matter which way the sunlight is, he's still in the shadow. <laughs> Just the little black guy in the back. <laughs> <coughs> as the camera pauses extensively on Brick as he flexes and turns his hat around to get the right angle and in the background there's some little black guy and Dr. Jones which is you of course yes of course I am as tradition uh, dictates I am performing science I'm wearing my flawlessly white lab coat that never gets the stain on no of matter course. how much science I'm doing of course we already science the lab coat never to be science <laughs> I, I am 
like heating up something on a Bunsen burner for <coughs> science reasons, <laughs> of course, and I'm looking very carefully at some strange frothing pink liquid in a small beaker and just... Mm. It's called the fluffy duck. Mm. One of those comical beakers that enhances your, blows up your face preposterously. Yes, exactly. You look just like, yeah. mm. <laughs> and of course, you have glasses. Oh, of course, of course. Scientist. I mean, that goes without saying. Only for dramatic reason. Gracefully stands over by the window, <clears throat> allowing the breeze to come in as she waters the plants that are left untended. Nearby to where Kansas is uh, attentively uh, awaiting any uh, possibility of bodyguarding to be required. Long ways, uh, slight but ripped, with the deep V of his uh, monk's outfit revealing the top of an eight pack peeking out. Uh, he's bald and of indeterminate age. Looking inscrutable. Is he Asian? Maybe slightly. Just just a little? Yeah. Or an American dressed yeah. up. An American <laughs> guy playing an Asian in the movie. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 oh god! <laughs> oh no, it's that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go and get a wine glass explicitly for the purpose of playing this character? So, sitting there is a, a, a rather confident and very beautiful blonde <coughs> woman. Uh, and despite how, um, like, like, perfect hair doesn't, doesn't move much and only when the right breeze, it only moves then. Also, yeah, has Grace over the <laughs> Also, has a V. <laughs> One that is much more pleasurable for most of the <laughs> audience. Yeah. It's not showing your eight pack. She is looking immaculately dressed in red. Oh, good. So, Nathan, I approve of your getting a wine glass to play your character. Cadence, I approve of the amount of times you've used the word science already. Science! Science! <laughs> Thus you can both have hero points. Doing very little, because that's how it works. Um, so, Hank says, Wilkis, looks like the gang's all here. Uh, everybody, here's your copy of the letter that Dr. Carter sent. <laughs> It's read out again redundantly because we assume the audience is stupid. Um, he wants to eat it. He said he has a taste for it. What's that? Beginning of the letter, he could almost taste. He could almost <laughs> taste it. Yes. <laughs> He's going to set up a barbecue of the rainbow drain. Uh, and. So he is, of course, in... You you know where he is on his latest expedition. He's in Istanbul. Um, and you are, of course, in generically America. Yes. You don't need to define it any better. We are exactly in the very uh, New Yorkiest of places. Yep. You can literally see the Statue of Liberty out the window no matter which way the camera turns. Wow. Well, everyone knows it's basically there's New York and L.A. and then this vast, desolate wasteland between them at the bottom of the universe. Uh-huh. I've been there. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Dr. Joe, uh, Hank hands, Hank the lab assistant, the plucky lab assistant hands the letter out to everyone and he says, Willikers, Dr. Jones, don't worry, I've got it all under control. I've got letters for everyone, I've got suntan lotion, I've, I've, oh, I forgot to book the plane tickets to Istanbul. I'm so sorry, Dr. Jones. I, I got distracted by, uh, by, by, uh, 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 more one? Of, of, of course, Miss Catch. Is there anything else you need? Anything at all? You've been doing brilliantly, swimmingly. <gasps> he flushes red. Continues to stare at her, having just trailed off his conversation entirely. <coughs> right, yes, uh, plane tickets. Uh, I can, I can book them. Uh, Getting plane to Istanbul might might be, I suppose, a little difficult. It could take a, a couple of weeks or, or maybe more. It is obvious that Dr. Carter has already run afoul of the minions of the serpent that crushes the world. Two weeks, he will already be dead. We don't, we don't want that. As much as I despise the man... I cannot wait that out a long length of time. We must find him. Where, where, where are we going to get a plane on, on such short notice? For the fourth time, I said I can fly. What? A plane. Well, you have a plane? Yes. Well, that's just absolutely brilliant for this whole room of my equipment. I'm sorry, who are you? I I've forgotten. Guy, no Brock's friend. Brock has a friend. Brick, Brick. Uh, yeah, Brick has a friend. (laughs) Oh yes, this is my uh, faithful. You were in the plane that flew me here. Yes, my plane. Yes, I have a plane. We have a plan. Well. Any friend of Rick is a friend of mine. Uh, if the guy can fly us to Istanbul, we have no time to lose. Okay, well, you'd better get on your way then. Don't worry about the lab, Dr. Jones. I can take care of everything. Are there any last-minute instructions I need to follow? Yes, what are these plants a lot more frequent? They tell me that they're very thirsty. Oh, uh, uh, all, all right. Water. Water. He looks at the vast array of colourful neon chemicals you have. Uh, blue's probably close enough. No, no, that will burn down the entire building. No, no, if you want to create water there, I suggest you get that green there, that red, that orange. I Heat that with the Bunsen burner. I actually throw that one out, that one's expired. Oh, I'm sure you'll work it out. It's not exactly rocket science. That's that's a good idea, Mr. Uh, uh, whatever that that tap there. Yes, for water. I can see that. I can see that you're you're. Miss Carla, that was such a great idea to use water from the tap. Yes, I also have a, a case of uh, red dresses over there. Could you ensure that they're uh, pressed and cleared let, let while me we're, I'm gone? Of of course, of course. I'd be delighted to go through your things. I mean. Uh, uh, to to take care of that for you. Now, before you do that, make sure all of my equipment gets put on the plane. It's very important. And don't drop anything again. You know how expensive these things are. I, I really didn't think an electron microscope would be so fragile. 
Who uh, knew? Well, I'm sure it'll be fine. Just don't do it again. We've got everything under control. And then we immediately cut to a red line. <coughs> it lands in Istanbul. Um, I don't know, half my day while they're all sleeping, I get my uh, parachute on and leap out the window. <laughs> and so Istanbul uh, is, of course, uh, a backwards desert country that doesn't have telephones or anything of the sort in it here in the pop universe. Um, so the only method you have of tracking down Dr. Carter is to physically wander around and find him. There's no conception whatsoever of letting your fingers do the walking. Thankfully, there's only one or two people called Abdul. Doubtlessly. That's, that's gotta be how it <laughs> But we do at least have the camel spirit. You have the, you, so he hasn't given you the address that he is no, um, staying at. He has given you the camel spit, a quaint local eatery. Uh, which you, we can trivially cut in there if you desire. The red line moves, and when we cut in... Crash! <laughs> Shall we get out of the plane? <laughs> the plane is embedded into the front of a bar. Why are quick pants? Well, the problem is if the plane crashes with the equipment, all we see is the atomic gasoline fireball. <laughs> and... So you are standing outside, basically, in the hot heat of the desert, um, a large, seedy-looking wooden bar with the camel spit emblazoned across it in bright red letters over the top. Uh, and looking inside, you can see it is, of course, done up in classic Middle Eastern style. There's big, heavy drapes hanging in the windows. There's the music playing. There is a belly dancer in there up on the table. And as you walk through the door, there is a camel standing inside the doorway. Well, hello. How are you? Thank you. The camel smiles appreciatively. <laughs> it senses a kindred spirit. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a fat guy in a turban behind the bar, monkey on his shoulder, group of bald Turkish-looking gentlemen over there in the corner <clears> playing, uh, because there is only one card game in the universe, they're playing Texas Hold'em. Um... And a wide variety of scum and villainy are here. You're free to go about your business. There are no fluids here. We don't serve your kind here, mate. That's why I'm standing by the camel. I will stride into the middle of the room and as big as I can get my surprisingly uh, handsome face out there. Yeah. I'm looking for Abdul. Does anyone know where he is? Everyone in the entire camel spit looks up at you. They eye you suspiciously. Several people seem to raise their cards and things above their faces. Uh, and because you are white and suspicious... And in a science lab coat. And in a science <laughs> lab coat. <laughs> uh, can you roll me 3d6 for this? I absolutely can. Uh, uh, it's levels of success. Uh, so two successes, one fail? Um, generally speaking, it's um, most of them will be you need to pass them all. Yeah. 
Um, some of them will be the level success will get you something. Uh, in this case, the music skids to a halt. Everyone in the bar stares up at you. There's a moment's pause, and you can see people sort of reaching under the bar and sharpening knives and that sort of thing. Reaching under the <coughs> and sharpening knives, they all stare suspiciously at you. While everyone is doing this, I walk through as if no one notices me yep, to the yep. end of the bar. And then the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do cantina music starts up again and everyone goes back to what they were doing, ignoring you. This isn't America. These people are savages. Absolutely. Yeah, America, they would have just shot you. Plus, half of them are looking at Kansas anyway. And the other half are looking at Brick, quietly. Brick is, of course, still standing in the background going... Flexing against the camel. <laughs> I inconspicuously make my exit from the bar because I'm heading to the alley out the back so that when Abdul attempts to make his escape I'll be standing there patiently waiting. Hard to argue with. There is of course a very suspicious looking back door there with one of those eye hole slots in it. Um, and you can hear suspicious murmuring on the other side of it. Get up and join the belly dancing. I stand next to another guy who's at the bar, and I talk to the bartender, but he's obviously looking at the guy instead of me, and I ask where Abdul is. So, Grace, you get up and (coughs) begin to belly dance. Obviously, this is one of your native forms of dance. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Can you give me one one dice for this? Oh, that's a fail. But I can't have that. Wow. Yep. That was only a six. Absolutely. So you are drawing several appreciative eyes as you stand up and needlessly flaunt your your revealing stum- your revealed stomach. Oh, yes. Um people are starting to stare appreciatively at you, and people are starting to talk and sort of murmur and point and there's several appreciative nods around. Meanwhile, at the bar, the bartender is talking to uh, the Turkish guy that is standing <laughs> next to Guy. And the, the guy reaches down, picks up his drink, and as he puts it over his mouth, covering his mouth, words are heard. Yeah, uh, I was told to find Abdul here. I owe him something. You're looking for Abdul? Hi. Oh, sir. This is Istanbul. Everyone is named Abdul. I am Abdul. Here's Abdul. The four people over there, watching the pretty girl with her stomach on display, they're Abdul. Even the monkey is named Abdul. (laughs) Not the camel, though. Do not call the camel Abdul. The last man that did it did not leave the bar alive. (laughs) That can only mean the woman can call him Abdul. We've only got Abdul for a name, don't we? Abdul, yes. But we do know that he's the Abdul who knows Dr. Yeah, and well, people are starting to... Well, well, people are appreciatively watching Grace, who's putting on quite a display, and appreciatively watching Kansas, who exists. Um... <laughs> Can uh, both of the two ladies give me 1d6 for Kansas and 2 for Grace? What is that? That 
Okay. Well, that's, that's true. That's a fail. Okay. And then there is the sort of wow chicka wow wow music coming from over by the door. Uh, as several eyes turn, as another woman comes in, um, there is a. To get my notes into actual readable format. There is a beautiful, blonde, European-looking woman swanning into the bar, uh, completely just wearing an evening dress that clings to her body and every curve slit all the way up to the leg. Um, And she slides in and looks around the bar at everyone. Eyes are drawn slightly away from Grace, but several are still locked on Kansas. As she looks around, this woman looks around, sees what's happening in here, looks at Kansas and smiles sweetly at you with the murderous daggers behind the eyes that you're used to seeing. And then she swans over to Guy by the bar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's not American, so she's a bad person. (laughs) She does look European. Exactly. Totally dangerous. I keep drinking my little glass and just looking around the place as if she's looking for someone else. She slides up next to you, puts a hand on your thigh seductively. Yep. Still she's obviously thinking about someone else, not me. Then turns her head towards you and passes you to look at Dr. Jones. Excuse me. I was wondering if you could be helping... A damsel in distress, yeah? Obvious, uh, European. <laughs> Does she have a little purse? Of course she has a little purse. <laughs> You're gonna start pointing the drink it up. Okay. She's totally focused on someone else. Can you give me one dice? Five. Not really aware that you're there, she's just, like, she's... I'm part of the furniture, literally. She's she's literally unconsciously squeezing your thigh and running her hand up and down it, and you're going through the purse. (laughs) (laughs) Never trust the woman from Europea. Exactly. I'm looking for her Nazi party card. Uh, Dr. Jones would doubtlessly recognise her accent as being Lithuanian. Well, uh, perhaps by way of Czechoslovakia. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes, you do. Well, that depends, madam, what seems to be the problem. Well, I can see, I can be seeing that by your attire that you are being a smart man. <laughs> well, that's awfully kind of you to say. Um, and I am somewhat out of my depth here. Excuse me, where are my manners? I am Countess Penelope von Muast. A pleasure. I am Dr. Reginald Jones, at your service. Ah, a doctor. And what is your field of, how you say, science? Yes, I have several PhDs. (laughs) Involving all manner of things. I'm certain, whatever it is, one of my... Nine PhDs can help you. 
I am looking for a dear, dear friend of mine, a man by the name of Dr. Claudius Cutter. Perhaps you have been heard of him. Ah, uh, yes, sir. It's funny you should mention that. I am also looking for my dear friend. A dear friend, you say? <laughs> and I was just... She, like, she turns around. her head casually to look at you continue stroking Guy's thigh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just completely unconscious motion. <laughs> what kind of relationship did you have with my father? Your father? I just... Surely you are far too old to be his daughter. What are you, 25? Ha! Ladies, ladies, uh, please, there's no need for any of this. Uh, there, 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 there would be if she was worth it. I mean, that outfit at this time. Excuse me? So Bartender, may I have a treat, please? Hey, hey, Sure, fumble, clink, fumble, <laughs> pours liquid all over the bar, hands it to yeah. you, eyes locked on the two ladies. <laughs> yeah, for the needle world, Doctor, it's just going You come in here dressed like that? It's I dress for adventure. Ah, and here I thought it was, what is your American word for it? Skunk? She squeezes guys. <laughs> That's good because I was going to move slightly to the left, <laughs> but I won't now. <laughs> a surprisingly good grip for this sort of thing. Uh, in her purse, meanwhile, as you are going through it, uh, she has wadges of of generically foreign looking money. Yeah. Of a what's it's clearly neither American dollars monopoly nor of this um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's completely monopoly money. Um several gems in there. Um and what appears to be an identification badge that ide- that literally has her picture, Countess Penelope von Luast written yeah. on it. Um and it has a mysterious symbol on it. This is uh, as you are not somebody who is particularly educated with mysterious yes. symbols, you yeah. need to roll me 2d6 for this. Success. <laughs> of course, you have adventured with Brick yes. and Dr. Jones and Grace yes. and Wong and Kansas long enough to identify the symbol of the full society. The full society being uh, proto-Nazis who are an evil Germanic <laughs> occultist group. Um, who seek only evil and to crush democracy well, then, and freedom with evil occult objects. Well, in that case, everything comes out of the purse and a mousetrap goes in the purse. <laughs> <laughs> you can have her purse back. Yeah, I lift my hand up, put it where she's squeezing my thigh and give her the purse back where she's not looking. I am not the one who is coming in here and making a scene like some sort of low-rent belly dance. Oh, well, tell me your relationship with my father, and I will give you some grand. We were... What is your American word? And he just gives you an idea. She she pats your cheek slightly. (laughs) We were old friends. Full society. (coughs) Oh... That's a relief, then. I suppose she, he, he would look, he looks for people far more intelligent than, than 
people are here. Excuse me? I am being a countess from Lithuania. <laughs> Sounds about right. Although they're European, <laughs> right? it's, 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 like outside of European countries. it's by France <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> as I can see, that you have been educated in the face of the common American streets. Are you perhaps from Brooklyn? Dear darling, darling, you wouldn't have any idea of the geography of my country, or how beautiful it is. I'd like to know. What is that? As I say, Dr. Jones. You have to walk inside, you just... I am looking for my dear, dear friend, Claudius. I believe I have a picture somewhere in here. <laughs> in fact, she, she just screams an incredibly hysterical, girly scream. Uh, meanwhile, something is happening to Matthew's character, but since he's left the room, he'll I, go to Grace. Now that I've... Uh, ingratiated myself with some of the locals. When you reappear, say that on purpose. Mm-hmm. When you reappear in the next scene, you've got money hanging out of like, your your belt. <laughs> I'm joining them with some shisha smoking. Okay, yep. and have added a little something to the mix uh, to uh, try and get people get willing people. to talk. <laughs> that that sounds like a thing that you can do. Give me a single dice. <sighs> totally not. Yep. And then you can have it back again because that's an awesome idea. <laughs> um, so we see in the next scene, we, we see, like, you just turn your back slightly and suddenly you've got... I'm, the... I'm spread out on some pillows in the corner with two or three other guys around. Yep. Just smoking <clears throat> some cheese there, passing it around. Yep, yep. And the camera, the camera just zooms in to see you sprinkling a little of generic looking herbs into there. Um, and they begin to pass the thing around. Uh, unfortunately, as you do this, uh, your, your weakness goes off because every time you start doing native stuff, the music of the bar is cut off entirely. Mm-hmm. And we hear... Music playing over the background as soon as you start doing this, cutting off all other music in the scene. Yeah. And Penelope looks round to see what the disturbance is, but unfortunately it's at that exact point the mouse trap goes off. <laughs> Meanwhile, you are speaking to them and they're sort of, oh man, this is the good stuff. It's really great to see a girl in here. I think you are the first one that has ever been in. This whole bar, everywhere, just looks like a string of swathy Turkish men to me. Do you know there's a girl by the door? Uh, she's okay. But she doesn't have wings like you. <laughs> and a halo. And feet in those giant curved Turkish clown shoes. I've really never seen anything like it. The way they pulsate and wrap around your head. Who did you say you were looking for? Uh, Abdul. Oh, well. 
I am Abdul, but I am not the Abdul you are looking for. He is not the Abdul you are looking for. Everyone only comes looking here for one Abdul. They're looking for the Abdul who is back there in the secret room behind the bar. But nobody gets in to see Abdul unless they're a very important person or they have some way of making people do what they want. I see. <laughs> Meanwhile, out in the alley, just as this is expressed... In fact, a little before, but you had walked out of the room. You hear a bang, thump, thump, ish, 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 from behind the door, and the back door is flung wide open, and out comes a thin, pencil-mustached Turkish man, literally being given the bum rush and hurled out the door. And inside the room, can you give me a single die to see what it is that you see? You have sharp, wise eyes. I see everything. You do see everything. <laughs> Inside the room are a couple of big manly Turkish bouncers who are throwing the guy out the door. And behind him you can see a guy that is sitting back on a one of those big Turkish <coughs> reclining couches. He's lying like so. His stomach protrudes out to here, then up to here, then up to here. And then eventually there's a knee sticking out the other end of his stomach. Um, he has on. Yeah, I can see the Star Wars influence. Yep, yep. He has on a little fez, and he is sitting there with a big handful of nuts in a bowl next to him, which he is stuffing into his mouth. His chair looks custom made to hold his weight. It has lovely pillows everywhere, and it has a marking across the bottom. The pillow that he is lying on shifts slightly behind his head, and you can see Abdul <laughs> inscribed into it. Perhaps this is. Uh, the door is at least temporarily open. Yes. Throwing someone out of it and then presumably about to shut it again. Yes, Wong Shul. And they shout at him, you know, don't come back ever again, smash. Wong Shul sidestep around the uh, mustachioed man and inscrutably scroll, stroll between the two bouncers. Are you relying on your incredible ninjury stealth to achieve this feat? Um, more just acting as though I have every right to be there. And assuming that they'll probably try and stop me, but you know, people have tried that before. Okay. Can you give me two dice? Uh, they both fail. So you see, there's absolutely no way to get to Abdul. Everyone who tries, and suddenly there is a bang smash at the back of the bar, as behind the bartender, a door previously unseen and covered by one of the myriad curtains flies open, and Wong is thrown by two goons across the top of the bar <coughs> into Penelope, who is flapping this this mousetrap around, and you bowl over the top of her. She smacks her hands backwards like this, and you end up basically lying on top of her, inadvertently pinning her to the ground. The wrists and she... Oh, my hero. Uh, at your service, madam. Kardasan, I have located Abdul. Pleased to be in helping me? I have been assaulted by disreputable scum of bar. They have injured my manicure. Well, this cannot be allowed to stand. I will help her to her feet. She's got a mousetrap stuck on it. Are you taking it off her? Oh, I'm sure she can deal with that herself. She was talking about the reputable scum. No, no, she's she's been attacked (coughs) by a mousetrap, is what she's saying. Oh, I see. Some of the disreputable scum have forced a mousetrap and broken one of her nails. 
And of course, she needs a man to assist her because it's a spring. Uh, such are the perils of uh, messing with Western technology. Pleased to be helping me? It is affecting my duke. You easily open a mouse trap and remove it from your hand, and she. Oh, my. So much pain. I'm sorry to interrupt, but... Mr. Way, are you okay? Of course. Yeah. As I finished telling no, Carter's son, I have located around the side I of the bar, the new door. Did well, <laughs> I'll pick up... As I'm walking past, I'll pick up one of the white trays and put a few drinks in it. Someone else can go first. Yes. Yep. Guy just sort of wanders, unseen by everyone, guy wanders around, picks up a waiter's tray, just walks into the back. <coughs> you see him, Bill's little court in the air, where he's lying there stuffing his face with peanuts, and of course going, huh, huh, huh. Just point me in the right direction. Did you see him Where? bounce? Huh, huh. I thought the glass to through the secret door I have discovered. Snatches it. Alright. I was pointing towards the secret door, I'm gonna to walk to, into the secret door. Yeah. Oof! Uh, ow! <laughs> when you open it, um, there is a bartender. There, there is um, there's the bartender <coughs> not directly in front of it. He's behind the bar. You move past him and open the door and walk in, no problem. When you do so, there is a waiter on the other side who you have never seen before, um, who, who stumbles slightly as the uh, as the tray gets thrust back into his face, and the two bodyguards in here spin round to look at you and sort of crack their knuckles. Who are you? You cannot be in here. Go away. I am Kansas Carter and I will just step forward like displaying everything I've got. Everything. (laughs) Let her in. (laughs) Thank you. The door just... Guy, I imagine, just kind of puts yeah. a finger in the door and it just stays open. Everyone can now wander in here if they're so inclined. Miss, the tray's kind of left beside the door. Penelope just kind of escorts herself in. I'll follow, I suppose. I'll offer another drink on my way. Mr. Abdul, can I call you that? <laughs> a surprising number of people do. Your chair is magnificent, might I add. Isn't it just... It was made for me by one of the finest scientists in the world to hold my unique talents. It is perhaps the most dirty chair I have ever witnessed. I can sit in it and fit an entire girl in my lap. This Countess, your drink? Thank you, help. So, um, come back in just half a minute. Of course, then she, she drinks from this, what I imagine is probably an elaborate fruity yep. cocktail, yep. and then we suddenly flash back to... Shouldn't you put something in this to put her down, knock her out? Well, how convenient. I have to have just the formula for this exact situation. But of course you do. I pull out like a small vial of like a strange green liquid, <coughs> take it, as it hits the air it becomes transparent because of course it does. And of course. It hits it, there's like fizz, 
Just put a finger, mix yep. it in. Yep, the drink very slightly <laughs> changes colour, then returns to its original yep. pink with fruit and umbrella. Yep. She <laughs> sips this drink idly. Um, can you roll me one? I absolutely can. Of course I know science. And Penelope drinks this down, then begins to sort of slump. There's a chair nearby or something. Or if that could be that you bring one for her. Or she's going to fall forward on top of <laughs> oh, girl, that? Yeah. <laughs> and as he is talking to you, Penelope sort of staggers across the room slightly, looking a little woozy, and then staggers forward towards him, and he whoo, puts one arm out, catches her, pulls her in, and, you know, enfolds her a bit into his stomach. You see, it's already working. I call it the Abdul fly trap because you get more flies with honey. <laughs> I just as I suspected, she would sleep with anyone to get her goal. I can hear you. I'd be insulted, but nice breasts. Right, on to business then. That's what I'm here for. To do business. Your guests you invited in, sir, are here to talk to you about the doctor. He looks, <laughs> he looks at Guy slightly quizzically. <coughs> are you a new hire? Yes. He sort of looks at the two bodyguards who, sh- who, who shrug a bit. As soon as you put the fears on, they start nodding broadly. And I'm just sort of, ah, you know. Good work, good work, Abdul, he says to you. Hi, thank you, Abdul. <laughs> Dr. Claudius Carter, do you know anything about him? <coughs> I may know a thing or two, but is it in my interest to tell you? How do I know you don't mean dear Dr. Carter some... ha <laughs> ha I think this might be the appropriate time for Dr. Jones to enter. Yep. Why? Because I am a close colleague of him, and if you know him at all, you should know my name. I am Dr. Reginald Jones, and I am looking for my dear friend. Ah, Dr. Jones, I presume. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) GM gives himself (laughs) a... And... One could never mistake you for anyone but the lovely Miss Cantus Carter. Who else would I be? Yes. I knew your father well. Just a moment, I don't need this in company. He picks up Penelope and moves her to the side, sits up, pulls off his stomach, puts it to the side as well, and is now, you know, just has washboard abs underneath and sits up perfectly in his chair and puts his gigantic sort of portable gelatin-filled stomach over there. It's good for business, you understand. Let people think they're taking advantage of you. Now, Claudius is a very good friend of mine. and (coughs) I would know his daughter anywhere, and of course, Dr. Jones. I've instructed all my staff that if you were to be seen to provide you with assistance, that's why Abdul here, (laughs) gestures off the guy, has brought you to see me. (coughs) You're looking for him? Yes, he's gone missing. I haven't seen him in a couple of days, but that's not unusual. Yeah, he's gone missing. 
He often gets buried with his work, you know. He sent us a letter quite some time ago and said that if he didn't write back within a couple of days, we should presume the worst. It's been at least three days. I have the list here if you'd like to see it for yourself. And once again, the voiceover <laughs> reads it out every single time. It's flashed Attached off. Attached to the bottom with a paperclip is the identification of the Thule Countess. <laughs> <laughs> with an addendum written into it. From Abdul to Abdul, this is a full society. <laughs> he sort of, he, he nods away. <clears throat> That's quite the thing. As I say, I haven't seen him, but nothing too unusual about that in a few days. <laughs> But now I realize that it's three days I'm extremely concerned. <laughs> you should go look him up. His address is 123 Address Street. Ah, uh, yes. Let me that. find it for you. Let me show you on the map. And he pulls out a map that has, you know, it's, it's the One address street. with a bunch of generic <laughs> little side streets and then Address Street going straight up the middle and hands it to you. Ah, uh, yes, I hear they have great property value here. You should have no trouble finding him. Meanwhile, I'll entertain my guest here. Oh, excuse me, I'd better pick up his stomach again. <coughs> what can I say? Chicks dig the paunch. <laughs> Indeed, I believe we should be going. Thank you, Abdul. Grace, as a native, of course, you know that, you know, these... Uh, bizarre, dirty foreigners have their own weird tastes and that sort of thing. So fat guys are in here. Well, I, I shall turn around and leave. And then one of the bodyguards, as you're heading out, puts a hand on Wong. It's the guy who now in this scene has a black eye where he didn't before. So you think you're a big man then, mister? Not at all. In my experience, big men are too slow to fight effectively. Is he insulting us? I think he is, Abdul. What should we do about that, Abdul? Are you thinking what I'm thinking, Abdul 1? I think I am, Abdul 2. We're going to buy him a drink. (laughs) That doesn't sound right. I thought we were going to beat him bloody and throw him out to the aisle. I thought we had this talk last time and we weren't going to. (laughs) Right. Two on one's not fair at all. Three on one, let's get him. All right. Well, there's been way too patient for him to get to the point. (laughs) And he very slowly swings a looping left hand at you and can you give me a single dice roll? Yes. Yeah, it's a massive six. You may immediately dictate whatever we cut to, however you please. Um, I think we immediately cut to the uh, the two large gentlemen piled up in heaps on the floor, and uh, Wong standing exactly where he was a moment earlier, having never moved apparently. <laughs> apparently, you also. <laughs> a wise decision. Then go back to the place where I serve drinks. <laughs> Just take your face off. <laughs> Undo your disguise. <laughs> Alright. Are you heading to Dr. Carter's apartment at 123 Address Street? 
Yes, so it's shall we call them taxi? Do they have those here? Uh, of course not. Camel! Yes. <laughs> Camel. Uh, this is a, this is a, this is a dirty foreign right, country, course, so they don't course. have civilized cars. It, it has cars with no engines dragged by. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you had, like, a giant plane that could fit a car on, then yeah. you could have one. Yeah. Do you have such a thing? Yes, I do. Yeah. So when you walk outside, Dr. Jones, a uh, guy is sitting there behind the wheel of a BMW. Big, giant, roomy BMW. Thank you for waiting for us, um... Abdul. Abdul, yes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) As long as he's wearing the fez, he's Abdul. (laughs) Go to one, two, three, address street. We just found this out, and I tell him everything that happened even though he was right there. (laughs) Needless needless expository dialogue to ensure the audience is still awake and keeping up with us. I put an unnecessary big word, of course, because science. As we have contabulated... (laughs) Based on the latitude and longitude for these hair on the address book where it says that's where, where it has this gigantic X. Yes, I can see the X on the road just up ahead. <laughs> and so you begin driving off and unfortunately you are driving through Istanbul and we know exactly what's in Istanbul. Outside of the city it's a gigantic faceless desert, but inside of the city it's a massively crowded open market. And there are people everywhere shouting, Dates! Fresh dates and figs! Fresh dates and figs! Carpets! Finest carpets in all of Istanbul! Monkeys! Get your live monkeys here! Monkey brains! Get your monkey brains here! Get your dead monkeys here! (laughs) Two separate stores. (laughs) And there are maybe a thousand people in the road in front of you milling all over it and bargaining vicious, bargaining ecstatically in Arabic, waving their arms and shouting at each other in increasingly louder words. Yep. And the car is just crawling. Well, the correct approach here is to use the horn, scream in Arabic, wave my fair hat at them and move the base up. That that does sound like a solution. <laughs> Does anyone want to endeavour to top that? I I can't top that. Yep. No. Because I'm Abdul. Obviously, no, I'm dangerous and get out of the way. You certainly are. Can you roll me two d six? It's uh two sixes, of course. So, Abdul, you are making great progress. Even if we slow down by the date section first. You you (coughs) drive along, and there's just that segment where you're crawling along through them. And enough for the exposition. Yeah, and just just enough. For the ex- <laughs> exactly, there's exactly enough time for the exposition. And as soon as Doctor Jones finishes talking, you beep honk the horn, lean out the window, wave your fares, and start <laughs> swearing in Arabic. And it comes up. Um, <coughs> it, it, the little subtitle comes up that's just a string of asterisks and at signs and exclamation marks and things. And immediately the crowd goes to either side and parts ways as you drive along 40 metres up the road to 123 Apartment Street yes I walk (laughs) yeah well that works too (laughs) yeah we we can see that I'm walking along Grace is just kind of walking along past the car Walks up, um, this is basically stone, you know, stone building, three sto- three, three odd stories high, 
uh, little rickety staircase. Uh, you've been given the top floor as his office slash apartment. Um, up people wander? Yes, of course. Hmm. Uh, park the car off to the side, which unfortunately means that one person who's pushing their camel in a haystack has to move closer to the front of the place, and then I'm going. And so, as you walk up to it, uh, <coughs> suddenly inside you can hear scrabbling noises. The door is ajar and looks as though it has been forced open. And when you look inside, there is a man in a white ninja mask jumping out the third story window with a big file in hand with critical written on it in big red letters. Sorry, where are we at this point? Ground you have floor? you have just walked up three flights of stairs right. in. to get to his to get to his apartment building. When you come up to the top, the door is open. There's a ninja, man in a white ninja mask inside, and he looks at you and starts jumping out the window with the opposite side. Sorry, the, jumping out the window on the opposite on the opposite side. side right, right, yes, right. the white ninja army, and I will continue going up over the roof. So up, up the fire escape to get to the top of the building, yeah. effectively. I'm athletic, I'll follow suit. <laughs> now you say we don't need to abide by the actual laws of physics here, right? Not generally, no. You, you need to pay them the vaguest yes. lip service. You cannot defy gravity unless you can, you know, vaguely justify defying gravity. Fire and science. I, I know all of the sciences, so I have a plan. Of course. I'm going to, like... You know, slowly wander up because, you know, it's movie time and scientists don't run. Yeah. Don't walk up. Which, despite that, you keep up with the people who are sprinting off. <laughs> so I'll go up to the window, I'll pull out a, like, I don't know, some piece of paper I'll quickly take them together. I'll make a really bad, like, um, blowpipe. Yeah. I'll quickly, uh, make, like, get a paper clip, I'll attach some paper to it, I'll make a dart, put on a little bit of special something on it, and I'll make, I'm gonna try and shoot this ninja with a tranquilizer dart. Fair enough. So, we will cut to Wong and Grace first. So, I'm, I'm only um, vaguely <laughs> bothering with the fire escape. I'm mostly Jackie Channing off adjacent buildings to, to get my uh, uh, extra height. Yep. So, you're looking, he's, he's going out the window and down. Yep. Are you looking to chase him or get to That's an right. <coughs> well, to basically to go over the building to chase him. Ah, so you're then going ding, 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 down. It's a classic yep. chase. Yep. yep. The floor, and, and Grace. And I'm going down by grabbing clothings, and all of a sudden there's calls of hawks as the wind kind of comes <laughs> and catches, catches the, the clothing as I leap down after him. Okay. Uh, Grace, can you give me one? Uh, Wong, you don't even need to roll for this. Way. You've no, no way. <laughs> you float <laughs> gently down after him. Um, actually, surprisingly still moving with enough speed to actually catch up with him as he's falling. Whereupon you can kind of grab him slightly. Whereupon the doctor <laughs> fires his blow dart or death. Um, now, you wouldn't think that actually being a scientist and being able to create these things would inherently give you the ability to use them, but you'd be wrong, so you're welcome to only one dice for your blow-darting powers. I mean, I practiced this in university. Obviously. Yeah, you totally had a paper in this. See? And he has been grappled. Aerodynamics. Yeah. Like, as I do it, I'll just look at it like, okay, now I just need to adjust it a little bit. 12 degrees up, the wind is. So, here, the... The blow dart hits the white ninja in the neck. He 
passes out, and the file drops out of his hand, down, down, down into the street below, where Grace and him are now gently drifting down, where somebody in a big white car below sticks a hand out the window, (coughs) catches it, and puts it inside, and that's where where Wong lands on the back of the car. Just, I imagine, like a cat, landing (laughs) on your feet. And the car goes, and starts driving off. Kansas, where are you during all this? I'm looking at it all. And uh, just walking to the car that's outside. <laughs> so you just turn around and start walking down the stairs? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I ain't going to run, not yeah, in these heels. Yep. And then we suddenly cut <laughs> to you walking out to the bottom. Of the- you turn around and walk out the door in your dainty heels, yeah. and suddenly you walk out the door to Guy's car, where Guy, you've conveniently just finished parking. Yeah. <coughs> next, to, next to the camels that you are displacing, and it must be said that people are shouting at you. Uh you're, of course, a man of many talents. Do you yes. speak Arabic? Yes. Of course I do. How else does Brick get around and actually talk to people? <laughs> but let's see if you speak whatever crazy moon language they speak in Turkey. Durka, durka. Durka, durka. Obviously, you speak Durka, durka. Um, so, there's a people having an argument with you. Uh, because, you know, you are blocking our way. You must move this car. We are trying to get these racing camels through here. Of oh, yeah, course. Racing camels. <laughs> and Kansas just opens the car and gets into the back seat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Abdul, uh, it's Abdul Gun, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we need to go after that, that, that car over there. Goes a car past you with Wong clinging to the back. So. <laughs> Follow the car with the, the ninja. crowd clear enough now that cars can drive. Or well, con- conveniently they're going the other way. The other way. There's the massive bazaar, and there's <coughs> a bunch of alleyways and streets and things that the, that the car chase is now proceeding down, which have a couple of people in them, but yeah. no longer the massive crowded marketplace. Place. Uh, I see people floating down still, or leaping. I yep. point and yell out, Racing camels, and then get in the car. Wong, you were on the back of the car yep. and in the best position to do anything about this, so how have you landed here? You can take this in whatever direction you want, as long as you're attached to the car in some way. Yeah, um, so, uh, and it was specifically the back. Uh, you, you uh, certainly you landed on the back. There's yeah. nothing stopping you flipping around to the front. Sure. Um, yeah. Oh no, that's at the front model of car. That's all right. Um, so uh, she had opened the window to catch the fire. All you've seen is an arm come out, so you don't know who oh, it belongs sorry, to. I, I thought you said something about an elegant. No, no, it is it is literally an arm pokes out. Sorry. So the, the occupant has opened the window. Yeah, which grabs the file, pulls back in, the window winds back up again. The window does wind back up again. Yes. Um, in which case, uh, I know they're on that side of the car, so I'll be grabbing the frame of the roof and flipping around to try and go feet first through the glass of the window on the opposite side yep. to land in the seat beside them. Of course. So just to be clear, you're on the back of the car. It's roaring off in this direction, so you are going to be leaping over the swinging around over the top of a car that is moving off at high velocity in defiance of gravity. Oh, grabbing, so grabbing, grabbing hold of the the edge of the roof yep, yep. to to flip myself under. Of course, and yep. with the sheer strength of your arms alone, you're going to defy the physics for car oh, like forty kilometers to swing over the top yes. and kick through the windshield. That's right. Sure, give me a dice. 
<sighs> yes. <laughs> smash. <coughs> you smash in through the car. Uh, you looking for driver's seat or back seat? The guy seat. that grabbed it was back seat. Yeah, so I, I uh, want to end up sitting next right, to So you, <coughs> you bowl straight past the very surprised looking driver. You just have a glimpse of someone in a white ninja mask sitting there. And then you smash into the back. And the camera pauses for a moment and plays the Dun 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 music as this car has about eighteen ninjas in the back seat of it. <laughs> and they of stare at, they stare at you and you see one of them is holding the file and he looks at you <coughs> and they've all got the ninja masks on, of course. Their masks their mouths are actually covered, but you can see the mouth moving under the mask in there. Wrong way We meet again. I should have suspected that the White Ninja Army was involved in this. No! You will die! Watch out! And they start pulling out a string of nunchucks, size, quarterstaffs, and can openers. Yep. Meanwhile, Grace lands elegantly in the street. Ranger in your favor. Dr. Jones is up at the window of the office. Kansas and Guy are just ripping up the car to roar yep. off. Everybody but Wong, what are you up to? Remember, the car is parked right next to a haystack at this moment. Of course. <laughs> um, <coughs> I, I think someone has to stay behind and look through uh, my dear friend's things. So yeah. I, I will step out of the scene until it's over, and then I'll that's, go to what I've been up to. That's hard to argue with. I've got an unconscious guy in a white assassin yep. outfit. Yeah, he's, he's literally dressed like the absolute stereotypical ninja, except it's stark white. In the dusty streets of Istanbul, despite the fact that he's been climbing around windows and rooting through rooms and all that sort of thing. Clearly he's a part of the people working that just zoomed away. Obviously, yeah. So, hide with them. I drag him to the side of the road. Cut up some hair. <laughs> Roll up a cigarette. Figure out where he's going. Ah, you're endeavouring to commune with the spirits of Istanbul by burning his hair to sense not where he is, but where he would be had you not interfered with his destiny. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> that sounds like a thing that's very conceivable. Give me a dice. Yay! Okay. They were going to one, two, four. <laughs> Wait for some reason on the other side of the city. <laughs> it's foreign, of course the number doesn't make it. Yeah, easy. yeah. I'm, I'm going into a, a dream state, which yep. the audience will see. Of course. <laughs> and in the dream, you will see, we, we will see Grace, in fact what we'll see is sort of the spirit hawk flies out from your unconscious body and swoops majestically across the city, swoops down over the car where I imagine it's jerking violently all over the road, there's a lot of noises coming out of it, and you can see into the car, you can see, you can see the contents of the file, even if they escape you still have the information you need here. But the car is escaping, guy, Kansas. Mm. Who's going after it? Shoot, shoot. I pull out a rapier. Of course. And which go, you, you just <coughs> have. Yeah. Mm. Um, drive up alongside them. I will deal with the car. Of course. <laughs> yeah. 
Someone's always working against cars. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that car chase is literally one of your special skills. Yeah. So yep. You need to give me one for this. Cool. Oh, I need one. Yep. yep. Yes. Yeah. So you roar up after the car, and Kansas, you pull up beside the car where you can see it has dark tinted windows, and there's it's rocking and swerving from side to side, and there's a lot of cha, witchy, watch out noises coming from within. Alright, I'm gonna stab the wheels. As you do. Lean out of the car. Yeah. Stab the wheels. Yeah. Can't see a problem with you leaning out of a high speed moving vehicle and yeah, stabbing o- at the wheel. I'll probably open the door, lean yeah. out and even yeah. stab the wheels. So, ordinarily, leaning out of the car, <laughs> driving at high speed to stab the wheels with a rapier would be so mundane I wouldn't call for a roll here. Mm-hmm. But there is one small problem <laughs> with this. And rapier? that's that as you look up, <laughs> There is a guy with a large cart that appears to be full of cabbages that he's just about to push out across the road. And he looks up as the two cars come towards them and shouts, No! My cabbages! And the car is just about to run into it. Meanwhile, inside, Wong, you are surrounded by 18 ninjas. Clearly, you are doomed. What are you going to do about it? Well, of course, you well know that they follow inverse ninja law. The more of them there are, the less threatening they are. So if there was one, you might be worried, but there's, there's 18 of them, so... Um, inverse ninja law is a thing. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, what Master Park always uh, imparted was, against overwhelming odds, attack first the one you cannot see. And so... That's the driver? Exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm uh, going to initially react by trying to kick... Uh, so as one of them pulls out a quarter staff, kick the end of it to go through the, uh, the front and knock out the driver, um, because presumably uh, he's going to be working to assist them, so if we take him out first, then the laws of chance are going to apply to all of us equally. And there's a lot more of them than me, so that works in my favour. That sounds like the most convoluted method possible of resolving this. <laughs> Have a hero point. <coughs> Go about your Christmas. Uh, because that involves bad martial arts, ridiculous martial arts, it is your skill. You only need one dice for this. There we go. Yay! Yeah. So as one of the white ninjas pulls out a quarterstaff and, you know, menaces you in the face, you do indeed basically kick it straight through his hands. Kansas, you're up towards the front of the car vaguely. You hear a smash as you see the driver get hit in the back of the head with a quarterstaff, thrust out through the windshield, which shatters entirely. He goes bump, 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 bump under the car as it drives over the top of him. And the car skids wildly out of control and smashes straight through the cabbage cart in front of you, it explodes into a wow. into a massive cacophony of wood. Cabbages go into the air and then begin to rain down on everyone. And the guy shouts, No! It's okay! It's okay! I have another one! And pulls a second cabbage cart out just in time to get it in front of your car. What are you going to do about the cabbages? Cabbages? Cabbages. Damn. Mm-hmm. The one foe that you've feared your entire <coughs> life. Yeah, if I get green all over this outfit, it's going to be terrible. That's hard to argue with. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I want to be with Cabbage's aunt. 
So what are you planning on doing? Oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble and get into the ninja, get into the ninja car. Yeah, so seeing a deadly... There's a window open you're, now. You're seeing a deadly cabbage fly towards you, you leap from one car into the other and leap through the front seat. And suddenly, <laughs> uh, invariably, when you leap through, because there's already been a way cleared by smashed windshields and everything, Wong, you are deflecting another blow as someone endeavours to stick a sigh through your arm when you turn around and come face-to-face with... Kansas I'm in terrible danger. <laughs> Grace, meanwhile, you're swooping overhead in your spiritual hawk form, and you can see the cabbage cart pulling in front of a civilian car <coughs> from somebody who's a complete civilian innocent, totally unaffiliated with this adventure, who can't possibly defend himself. Is there anything you can do about this? There's some camels nearby that there are. Race can be spooked. Yes. And get in the way of the guy pulling his cabbage cart. Yeah. So then we hear the little tinkly native music again as you endeavour to spiritually spook the camels. Give me one. <coughs> yes, success. Guy, just as you're about to skillfully and dashingly drive around the cabbage cart, leaving it completely unharmed, um, then get back into the chase, going bumper to bumper with this car, pulling it safely to the side before any other civilians are harmed. Before you can make that dashing, before you can make that dashing (laughs) and heroic move, a bunch of wildly spooked camels charge across the road. And because the main rule here is that no animals can be harmed in the making of this production, (laughs) you have to swerve away from them. And the guy with the cabbage cart turns violently as the camels sweep past, get tangled in the reins and the reins and saddles and hooks that he's got for his cabbage (coughs) cart, and pull it off the road and ride away with it into the sunset. And he waves his fist and swears at it, that one I bought with my children's college fund! But conveniently has a, a, a cabbage cart while slightly damaged is now turned into a ramp. <laughs> it, it does sound like It does that, look yes. like a ramp. So I will drive up and over. Ba-bum. The only damage done is the cabbage to my poor fears. Mm. Ah, but with prestidigitation, the gems from the lift earlier fall out of your pocket and land next to the cabbage guy's cart <laughs> right at his feet. Because I can't let anything bad happened to the guy who paid for its cart with yep. his children's college fund. Yep. So that was my children's college fund. And as the chase roars off down the road, he turns away, you know, covers him with his hands and says, Allah, why have you abandoned me? Falls to his knees and faces east and falls into the ground. And then looks at what's now stuck slightly in the dust on his forehead. Tink, 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 tink. Allah is great! <laughs> Carter-san, block, block, deflect. To voluntarily leap into a car full of white ninja is unwise. Block, block. Yep. You have, you have, neither of you have any trouble holding a conversation while fighting, I think. Guys. It was that or getting, or getting cabbage on my outfit. Clink, clink, stab, stab. Clink, 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 clink. Deflect, deflect, deflect. Goes the right, yeah. <coughs> so, guy, you... 
angle up the wagon. No problem. Are you going to pull off some daring do here and endeavor to like land in front of them? Or yeah, like the whole car is is just spinning wildly, yeah. three sixty out of control yeah. now. Logic would suggest it should stop, but that's physics. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're slipping on wet cabbage leaves at this point. Oh, horribly oily. I cannot argue with that. That's exactly what it's <laughs> yeah. on cabbage leaves. Yeah. So it's pretty much up and over the ramp in front of them, and at the most convenient landing point, my bumper collects to their bumper, and then call them to a straight line, and I'll slow off to the side. There is only one problem with your otherwise flawless plan. You've gone over the ramp, the car is just coming down, and there's some other cars and trucks to the side of the road, because, you know, this... Now that we're having a car chase, Istanbul is full of cars. There were none before. <laughs> um, but there's a truck parked on the side of the road, Nothing, yep. uh, uh, nothing to worry about. It's got a sign on it that says point A to point B deliveries. Yep. You know, no problem there. But then, oh crap! You can see building A on one side of the street and building B on the other side. And do you know what they're delivering? Glass. A giant pane of glass. <laughs> Two guys are walking across the road holding up this pane of glass. <laughs> and the car, your car, is barreling straight towards it. It's in the way of your maneuver. What are you going to do about it? <coughs> well, if there is little to none logic to do with gravity, then the uh, whole point was to be going in front of the car that's going to stop anyway. So we will, at the same point, be belting off the wall of one of the actual buildings and be driving along it for a second or two, uh, and then landing. So your theory is that well, your car, your car's taken off from the ramp of the wagon, yeah. and while it's in mid-air, if you accelerate and turn the wheel, you'll be able to drive it into the wall. The wall yes. <laughs> Sounds plausible to me. <laughs> Give me a twist. Yes, that's a six. And we see Guy, you know, his eyes go wide as he sees the giant sheet of glass with the two guys coming across. He floors the accelerator and the car goes vroom and swerves the wheel to the right and the car in mid-air goes vroom onto the side of the wall and drives down the wall around the glass. And... The two guys look up at each other as this goes past, and one of them says the other subtitles from, you know, Turkish or Arabic or whatever it is that they speak here in Turkmenistan. Um, Dakar, Dakar, <laughs> established, come, comes up. That was very lucky, I'll say. Thank goodness it's my last day before retirement. And that's when the tumble of cabbages come out. And that's when the rain of cabbages <laughs> come over the ramp and shatter through the glass, spraying it everywhere wow. across the street. <laughs> and your car guy lands, swerves yep. around the front of them. You basically go bump. What are you endeavouring to do here? It's kind of latching on for a second or two as they're swirling. Yeah, basically latch it. So their vehicle's now going backwards <coughs> while I'm going forwards. Yeah, and you're, and you're jamming the brake yep. and sort of trying to pull them to a safe halt. So the car is... Kansas, Wong, you feel that the car you were in is starting to pull to a safe halt. Or any problem is all the ninjas that are still inside fighting you. Uh, and I imagine we suddenly cut to a couple of ninjas jumping, smashing out as the doors of the car burst open, and everybody tumbles into the street in a chaotic delay. <coughs> and then you come up, the two of you standing side by side, rapier out, dashing There's the a lot of ninjas, the back sun. to back, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. The ninjas have all fallen out in a big ring, surrounding you in the, actually surrounding you in the car, because they're less agile than just extras, they all spray out the doors and fall. They do land on their feet because they're ninjas. Mm-hmm. They spray out, surround the car. 
you and Wong are thrown from the car, but both, of course, latch on, flip round, and land on the roof. Back to back, well, rapier out in one hand. Back to back is the Western tradition, but Master Park did always teach me that in a scenario like this, it's far more effective to be front to front. Ah! Oh! <laughs> uh, can both of you yeah. give me a roll, then? I succeed. Yep. <laughs> then, it's whoever's got the higher on the dice gets their way, so I've that would be Matthew. <laughs> yes! Kansas swings out, uh, we, and we see her in slow motion basically grab the top of the car and swing out. And then we see Wong moving faster, but also in slow motion, grabs the car and slides under her, getting a good view of the cleavage, and then comes up face-to-face with her, protecting her from the white ninja. And they surround the car for a brief moment. Watcha! 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 And all leap in. And giant fight scene. Come through them. Describe what you were doing. <coughs> well, the um, uh, this sounds like the perfect opportunity for the armadillo summons a thundercloud. Um, I approve this product or service, whatever it might be. Well, one needs to be simultaneously uh, defensive and yet at the same time violently destructive. And so... Uh, from within the armoured shell, the lightning bolts take out anything that comes close. And are these literal lightning bolts? Or oh, no, flashes no. of fists and fury? Exactly, yes. Very good. Uh, there's only 18 of them, so I will take a single dice here. So well, nine of them. Down, just just you can have one that back. Yeah, the fists and fists <coughs> flash out with armadillo's fury, and several white digits go flying. Meanwhile, Kansas... They're coming up on you. All the ones opposing you have katanas for some reason. So of course. So sword to sword. Of course. And they are they are twirling them. In fact, because they're really cool, they are dual wielding katanas. <laughs> that is pretty amazing. <laughs> and they leap up on the car roof, surrounding you with clangs of steel. What are you up to? They're giving me the thing I'm best at. Mm. So the. What what happens is all I need to do is is, is disarm one katana, flip in the air, catch it. Um, so I also have two swords, of course, and you know a rapier and a katana are basically the same thing. Yeah, and throughout the battle, of course, um, accidentally losing one blade. Just to pick up another, maybe from a fallen one, or or, or a uh, thrown dagger from, yep. like, yep. my cleavage, or whatever. <laughs> I think uh, Wong will be keeping an eye on any time it looks like you're down to one blade for any particular length of time, but I'm sure another one comes your way as well. <laughs> <laughs> throw the katana, catch the other katana, throw the katana, catch the other katana. Yeah. It's like the scene in Wanted, but with swords instead of guns. Give me one. <laughs> Yep. Okay. So we see ninja after ninja falling with blades in them. In fact, it's just the string of them. The first one falls down with a dagger in his chest. The second one falls down with a katana in his chest. The third one falls down with two katanas in his chest. And we cut back to... No. (laughs) No, they only have katanas. Because katanas are cool. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And that one guy who then falls down with a can opener in his chest. <laughs> Did you do that? I didn't do that. Such <laughs> foolish reliance on artificial technology. 
because Kansas's skill is literally implausibly competent with all blades. Mm-hmm. So they're all effectively the same thing. And Wong, you have come out of this completely unscathed. You, you don't look like you have been in a fight in any way. Kansas, on the other hand, despite actually being, as far as everyone sees, equally as competent as him, mm-hmm. you have not come out unscathed because your clothes have been cut and torn by these blades in several places. Yeah. You know, you've got the slit here and the thigh. Only stylish yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, and a little slit across here just showing off a little bit of midriff and all this sort of thing. It's quite remarkable how close they came with their blades without ever actually cutting or blooding you in any way. The hair is still perfect. Of course. It hasn't been touched. Somebody's run in and reconferred it between scenes. While everyone was having the fight, I go and get the important documents and come back to the car and sit there and read them. Yeah, it's just kind of sitting on the fr- it's just kind of sitting on the back seat, <laughs> completely untouched. But yeah. reading the papers, slightly disarrayed, guy just kind of reaches and <coughs> shuffles them back into the folder, goes round, reads them, and by the time everybody is finished. Uh, we will cut back briefly to Guy, in fact, opens the folder that is marked critical and goes, hmm, this looks like Dr. Claudius's handwriting. Meanwhile, Dr. Jones, right, back in the office, um, this, Dr. Carter it is, there is an important distinction here, you are a movie scientist, uh-huh. he is a movie archaeologist, uh-huh. so he does history and books and things as opposed to science. So what his office looks like is the sort of, um, it looks like a professor's reading room. It's full of books, papers, that sort of thing, as opposed to science here. <laughs> right. Well, you see, normally that would be entirely true. Of course. But in this but... case, we, we cut back and it's like it hands up to his um, desk. And for some reason, Dr. Jones has his chemistry kit now on the on the table, who knows where that came we, from. We established that you packed it in the plane. Well, yeah, Therefore, yeah. it would logically make your way to the bar, up the stairs, and into his office. Yes, he's mixing a few things. He has this strange, like, overly-sized, like, spraying device. Tips it in. Just his glasses. Checks. Like, no, no, that's not quite right. With another couple of drops. Like, a little bang as the uh, liquid combines. Like, yes, perfect. And so I start spraying this mysterious science liquid around. <laughs> And you immediately get a hero point for use of the phrase <laughs> mysterious science liquid. <laughs> and because I'm a scientist, I'm really smart. Obviously, I know Obviously. how to do it, and it makes perfect sense. Yep. I'll spray it around, and it's going to mist out, and uh, it's going to create silhouettes of where people have been, so I can see where my dear friend has been, and if anyone came in here and kidnapped him, and if so, where they went. Ah, thinking. So, <laughs> what you see... Is you, you don't need to roll to do such a thing, of course. What you see is the silhouette of the window being opened and this mysterious <coughs> man moving through it. He goes over to the desk where there is the single file sitting right on top of the desk, takes it, looks around startled as the door opens, and then jumps out the window again. Um, but beyond <coughs> that, more distant and hazy, you see Dr. Carter himself sitting at the desk, you've, you've got like the translucent outline of it here. It's an older man, he's just got the line of spectacles out here. And he is merely writing away, but it looks like he's doing something. This is harder to make out, even with mysterious science liquid. You'll need two dice for this. Alright, let's, let's get that science going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Off the table. Oh look, a six. 
Yep, I can see it there on the table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, there we go. He is mouthing something, and naturally, as you have glasses, you can read lips. Yes, of course. Um, I'll get a little fancy notebook and start writing. Yeah. Um, and, and he's he seems to sort of be talking to himself, and we hear his voice overarching here, and he says, Reginald, old boy, how can I possibly explain this to you? Let me think. I need to write it down. And then he recites the letter again. <laughs> In full. In full. <laughs> Went right down to sincerely yours, Dr. Claudius Carter. <laughs> we have to have this, this scene repeated because uh, we paid Patrick Stewart to voice him. And we have to get <laughs> the most use as possible out of that one voice. <clears throat> Only the letter. All the rest of Dr. Claudius's dialogue is voiced by a generic British guy. Right. Only the letter is voiced by Patrick Stewart. <laughs> of course, as is um, logical. And you are reading his lips as he reads this out, and then he says, Now, if I know Reginald, he'll come in here looking for me if I go missing and spray one of his patented mysterious science liquids around in order to see what's happened to me. If I had the opportunity, I would pass him along a message. And but that would take too much time. Spent <laughs> <laughs> too much time writing this letter. But that would take too much time, and unfortunately, I've spent a lot of time writing this letter already. If I could tell him one thing, it would be. If I could tell him one thing, it would be, my dear old friend, Reginald, I'm so close I can almost taste it. The rainbow serpent, I believe I'm finally... <laughs> and this is why you want to interfere with other players' roles, because other players do things like this. <laughs> Guy, yep. you are easily and trivially looking through these files that are written in clear, understandable English and communicate to you within a single page, in fact, literally within a paragraph, exactly what the plot is. Yep. <coughs> like, you, you hold the piece of paper up in the light slightly, uh, you can see the file is marked critical, it is clearly written in Dr. Claudius's handwriting, um... To make that explicitly clear to the audience, it is signed by Dr. Claudius, um, and it shows you what looks to be a sketch of an abandoned silver mine, a latitude and longitude, you can see from the fine artistry, because he spent a lot of time drawing it. Meanwhile, we cut back to Dr. Reginald Jones in the lab, spraying the science liquid, spraying the science liquid on the table to try and see what he's drawing, and he's drawing a picture of this silver mine. Um, it is in the mountains of Colorado, in America. You have actually, when you think about it and apply all of your learning to it, you realize there is something between New York and LA, and in this particular case, it's the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. <coughs> um, and his notes say only one thing, despite the length of time he is spending on them, when the mysterious science liquid shows it, it's mostly drawing that beautiful artistic picture of the silver mine. Um, the only thing the note says is, according to the writings, the key was hidden here in 1803. And then there are a bunch of scrawled, just casual notes next to it that look like a travel booking for a flight to Colorado. Three days ago. <gasps> One dun, piece dun, of dun. useful information at the back of the file is a carbon copy of a letter. 
My dear friend, Bridgefield, <laughs> I'm so close. In fact, it's it's not in the it's not a carbon copy in the file, but there's something there's a couple of pages under it because they just grabbed this generic pad. You can't make it out. So you pull out a pencil, and make a rubbing of it, and what you can as read, I'm beginning to rub it, I begin to hear the voice. My dear old Bridgefield, I'm so close I can almost. <laughs> <laughs> Carter-san, we were too late. In the time it took us to subdue all 18 white army ninjas, someone has absconded with the fire. <laughs> and Grace, at this point, I imagine you just kind of roll uh, up. I rocked up to Dr. Reginald and said, um, <laughs> they've gone to Colorado. Uh, yes, because of course yeah. you'd read this file. Yes, yeah, of course. I knew yeah. from my vision. Yep. That's I, I, and you I like, pull oh. out the piece of paper with the onion villain uh, yeah, and burn the letter I, the original I, gives no, me. We'll have to wait for one of them to wake up. I followed them. Mm, that's no place. problem. We can wake one up now. Uh, I see. I, are you okay? While they're not bleeding oh, on the ground, they're all dead. Well, uh, <laughs> do you know where the others have gone? They, they do appear to be extra. <laughs> Off quickly, yes. Oh yeah! Oh, you're right. This right one too. Yeah. So, some to people, no matter how hard you fight them, they always live. <laughs> but you didn't know these guys' names, so they're all dead. <laughs> Every last one. I, Even yeah. the one that Reginald explicitly See, subdued with a knockout dart is also dead. <laughs> tribal ways. Yeah. Because he had to be assassinated well, from now, elsewhere. Now, yeah, I'm not he's trying he's got a second dart in there. He's gone for the They saw him being knocked unconscious. How do I the letter you're looking for? Well, huh? Yeah, well, what does it say? My dear, my dear old friend is original. <laughs> I'm so close, I can almost taste it. The cabbages? Yes, and the glass pane. That's cool. I, I have to buy an ice cream to take that nasty envelope taste of the You folded it a bit when you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps I'm simply worried of enough. Well, if so, expect them to be two days. Oh, I know where they are. Is this uh, it? By all means, lead the way. According to the writings, the key was hidden yeah, here in 1803. Zephyr Silverbine, sure. Colorado. Ah. He lives Dr. Reginald wants me to lead him to the rest of the party, so we jump on some camels and yeah. take him You ride up on, on racing camels. <clears throat> uh, as you ride down the street, you can see a big pil- plume of smoke rising up. Um, just, just that bit there. And as you... <laughs> don't read the rest of the <laughs> As you ride towards it rapidly on your racing camels, uh, you see a guy standing by the side of the road wearing this giant turban with a huge amount of gems in it, and he has this gem-encrusted cabbage in his hands. Allah has made me the king of cabbages! My children can go to any college they like. But it must be Harvard, the only college I know of. Yes, good show, good boy. Good. Bula, bula. <laughs> that could that could happen any day. She Mind the glass. Expensive jewels in her purse. Well, things break. She was a countess. Well, yes. But I'm sure now that you've left her behind, you'll never see her again. <laughs> Obviously. Because you totally took care of that problem. Well, we, we left her to the tender mercies of Abdul Bahat. A very decisive way to deal with someone. <laughs> and so, 
as I say, the plume of smoke is coming up from the car. When you roll up, you see a bunch... When you race up on your racing camels, you see a bunch of dead white ninjas all over the place. And Kansas... Kansas looking, you know, a little cut and... A, a little... Her clothes are a little cut and torn. Delightfully so, really. But she's okay, and Wong is fine. So the four of you have succeeded heroically. Yep, and as I'm coming down with this camel, for some reason I have, seem to have like a white shirt wrapped around my head now. Yep. I'm riding on a camel in the desert. Of, of course. course. Yep. Yeah, it, there, was a, there was a brief cut between scenes. Yes. White ninja. Ah. Dr. Jones. We're going to Colorado. in his back pockets or in the car or anything else. Of course not. No. <laughs> it Perhaps has sorrow. Sorry? Perhaps mm. the script. <laughs> <laughs> So you really good role to find the script. Well, yes, they they were atrocious. Side stage left, and glass. The glass wasn't a problem by the time I leapt. You and me, we're going to talk later. (laughs) Very well, with everyone here. Yes, I'm going to need some time to freshen up. I'll be perfectly okay in next scene. Immaculate. Yes, very, very Grace good. predicted all of the things that Reginald uh, would see. <laughs> if we are to return to America, we will need to find that guy and his plane. This is very impressive one. How many uh, soldiers were there? Uh, there were 18. <clears throat> well, 19 if you count the driver, but... Oh, yes. M- Mr. Wong was a fantastic fighter. Okay I've never seen so anything of the like. Oh, where did you go? There, there's nothing In fact, move along. I would say that Brick was yes. better, but I never see him fight nowadays. Wait a minute. Brick. And then we cut back to the <laughs> office, um, where Brick is standing there at the doorway, right where the scene left him. Like, everyone jumped out windows and flew away, and Brick stood in the background twirling his hat slightly. And he's standing there. Hmm. I wonder where the others have gone. You do not need to be worrying about that anymore. You need to be worrying about Mick. And slipping up from behind him is this delicate feminine form that puts a rag over his face and Brick goes, No! No! Must fight for American woman! And passes out. Mick, take him to the car. And when you return to the city... Well, <coughs> in fact, we come back to you and you realise that Brick stayed behind in the office and perhaps you should get back to him. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, there's a convenient uh, taxi here now available. Yes, yes. So you pile in it and begin driving away. As you move ten metres away from the two cars, <laughs> boom, they explode. Of course. <laughs> You've now moved far enough away that you can't be affected by the explosion, so they explode. Fair enough. They explode fire. Just lots of fire. And when you return to Dr. Carter's office, it becomes clear from the science liquid still hanging in the air what events have taken place. You spray a bit more to see what's happened to Brick. He's been abducted by Countess Penelope von Luast. I'd recognise those thighs anywhere. You can smell her tantalizing perfume. What? The Thule. What are you you talking about? The woman she's from the Thule. Really? I thought she was just another one of my father's lovers. 
no, no, that guy person we have been got. Have you seen Guy, by the way? Guy is one of my father's lovers? No, no. Not anymore. No, no. <laughs> no, you see, he. He was the guy. No, you don't know Guy. He was, he was, he was there in your, in our laboratory. He must have gone off on his own to find him. I, I know, but regardless, he discovered this woman's identification and she was apparently a, was it Thul? Was one of these Thul people. She had the identification and everything. I conveniently scrolled down a copy for you to see here. It's like an exact replica, almost as close to photocopy. Yes, except it's black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel like you've drawn the little picture of her face from yes. the ID tag. Disastrous. We have to stop this woman. Agreed. But first, we need to find my friend and your father. Wait, no, someone's been kidnapped. Yes, Ben. You see, the, the science liquid, it gets into your head, it makes you foggy. Yeah. We should step out of here. Brick was here when I told you that that we were going to Colorado. If he tells her, then perhaps we'll meet her there. That's a very good point. It certainly becomes rapidly apparent that you have no way whatsoever of tracking Brick down. Mm. It's not like no we have science your, liquid. No matter your skills or talents, it's abundantly clear that he's been Oh yeah, I, I can't make any more science liquid, I've just run out. Like, you I tried the last set, <laughs> and you're like, oh no, I, I seem to have run out, we need to go back to the plane and get more materials. Unfortunately, you've used the last of your sprayonium. Yes, mm, terrible. And to get more, you'd have to go to an alien planet, and you know. Yep, yep. Oh, <laughs> is he brick? <laughs> yes, apparently. There's been dashing. Da- I'm sure there's been dashing space adventures to other dimensions somewhere in there. Of course, absolutely. Yeah, but, uh, we, we don't talk about that though. But on the hush hush. That's for a sequel. And then you walk down, and then the next scene we see is you guys walking out of the office building, prepared to go to Colorado. Um, and is the little red line moving again? There's no reason for it not to. It flies from Istanbul to the Zephyr Silver Mine, Colorado. And we see you stepping out of a car in the high, rocky mountains with light dustings of snow around, a bit of more polystyrene being sprayed in the background, and Kansas steps out of the car looking completely immaculate. Are you in the same outfit that's mysteriously repeated oh, no. itself, or a completely different No. One? This one's slightly different. It has some fur just uh, on trimming yeah. right here. Because it is freezing cold, yeah. so you still have your massively exposed cleavage, but a slight <laughs> yeah, fur yeah, colour. Yeah, that's all I need. <laughs> so you're cosplaying Mrs. Claus. <laughs> Sexy, sexy Halloween with the claws. Wong, I assume, despite the cold, you're dressed in the more or less exactly the same exactly thing. The same, yes. Everyone Damn. else, the camera, the camera pans around and hero <coughs> shots you again. As we hear echoing for the benefit of the audience, the key was hidden in the Zephyr Silver Mine in 1803. Key, Zephyr Silver Mine. Key, Zephyr Silver Mine. Can anyone else hear that? <laughs> no. Okay. Ah, uh, that science liquid's <laughs> got in his ears. Yeah, yeah. But you see, I, I have updated my outfit. I now have a scarf over my lab coat. <coughs> and actually, and now we're back in America, I have a hawk on my shoulder. Of course. And uh, one of the eagles. Is it a hawk or is it a bald eagle? Probably going to have to be bald eagle. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Do I? 
run in the full winter you know with any sensible <laughs> yeah, person extremely practical <laughs> high quality Kathmandu brand clothing and the the camera pans it's around it's also white I'm wearing exactly what I was wearing <laughs> you you have pulled up exactly outside Dr. Claudius Carter's camp to a T absolutely no trouble finding it whatsoever despite the fact he didn't give you very specific directions um and I use science to find it. Don't ask Cal, I just use science to find yeah, it. Obviously, right? Yeah. Off-screen science to boot, yes. the best kind. And I'm, I'm speaking like, Technobabble and Cal, like, this is how I found it by doing this, 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 this. <laughs> When we triangulated the variables, it was inevitable that we'd end up here. Yes, exactly. Um, and you see, it's basically, calculus. he's got, there, there's a big, there's a big bivouac-style camping tent set up out here, a burnt-out preposterously huge fire pit. Um, uh, there are a bunch of gigantic silver nuggets all around the place as set dressing. Uh, and when Grace... The camera pans equally <coughs> around the camp and pauses on everyone as they're stepping out of the car to get a look at their new outfits for the new action figures. Uh, guy comes with a million accessories. Yep. And Paul Eagle gives the cry of the red-tailed hawk. It, it pans all the way around the camp, showing the details of big tent, big fire pit. Pans around the beautiful rocky mountains and the lovely scenery. <coughs> then as it pans back round to Grace again, she holds up her arm as the bald eagle lands on it, flicks its wings out and goes, argh, argh. And, of course, now the camera's panned a full 360 round, but now we've got a bald eagle. You can see the American flag that Dr. Carter has planted here, despite the fact that he's British, waving majestically in the background of the bald eagle. And the star-spangled banner plays softly and subtly, sorry, softly and subtly, so, dun, 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 on the, on the background. Well, it's obviously what's playing on the gramophone at the moment, so yeah. unknown reason. Elect Trump flashes up several times. <laughs> <laughs> Paid for by the friends of Donald Trump. I was playing in a game in the States about ten years ago, and uh, the GM was explaining how, for the initiative rules, I'm adopting my friend's Kevin's policy of uh, ties go to the Americans. One of the players said, but I'm German. Oh, I, I, I meant the PCs. But my PC is Russian. <laughs> it, it, it's a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you can investigate this camp if you like. You can do as you please. There is a big obvious entrance to the mine over there, which of course has mine tracks going down into a dark <coughs> tunnel. Tracks. We should follow them. Obviously, but get on the railroad. Now I'm assuming that this uh mine shaft is like horribly, horribly dark. We look through it and there's like wind blowing through, it's all horrible. Na- naturally. You you can see Two, two or three metres into it perfectly clearly. What you can see is rickety old wooden beams sagging slightly. There's a faint smell of decay coming from out of it. Uh, you can just see the wheels of, of a couple of mine carts in there. One for us, one for whoever's chasing us. Actually, there appear to be several of them. <laughs> um, I, I think looking inside the bivouac-style tent to see if Dr. Carter is uh, asleep in his sleeping bag is the first thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> you look inside his tent. Um, there is something there. He, so he's got in, inside his tent. He's got a bunch of bags, basically. At a glance, you open it, you look in, you can see a bunch of bags and a sleeping bag. And there's a shape inside the sleeping bag. It's all zipped up against the coal, pulled full round the head. Are you prepared to unzip it? Of course. Can you roll me three d six? 
I can roll 1d6. Yeah. So that's two failures? Yeah. Okay, so as you open it up, you find a bunch of bits of paper in there that blow up into the wind and scatter everywhere. He had a whole bunch of paper stuffed in the form of his body, and one flies into your face and <laughs> smacks you in the face, and the rest are carried off by the wind, and it's got written at the top of it, a deception for anyone who might be following me. I've used the excess copies I had to form the shape of my body that smacks Wong in the face and reads, My dear old friend, <laughs> I hope this letter finds you well. <laughs> And it's read out and full? Yep. Of course. Uh, Kansas, of course, when you look down, was, as this paper blows out pretty much everywhere mm-hmm. all over the camp. What does uh, this one say? One flies down, rolls itself up, and sticks itself into your cleavage. Because, you know, you can fit pretty much anything in there. Obviously, I cannot give you my new address, as I lost the piece of paper I wrote it down on. Ask for Abdul at the Camel's Pit, a quaint local (laughs) eatery. There is nothing else in the sleeping bag that is obvious to your mundane eyes, Wong. Does anyone have any other particularly complex methods and you cannot use your atomizing mysterious science liquid? You can use different science Yeah, liquid. I'm, like, while this is happening, I'm going to do chemistry at the uh, entrance of the cave, which will be conveniently done as soon as everyone's finished with the camp. Of course. <sighs> Listen, I know my father. I know what he put me through as a little girl. If he wants anyone to follow him, he's going to leave a series of very obscure clues scattered scattered in in locations. So first would be possibly something related to my childhood. And there, right in that room, you can see something just sticking out of one of his zipped-up bags. It looks like a little teddy bear's foot sticking out. And out comes a teddy bear that's got a rapier strapped around its... Strapped, a little toy rapier strapped around its... Bertanian. Um, this is, of course, Bertanian, your faithful childhood friend. I always wanted to grow up like him, with, without the fur, of course. <laughs> That's worth another one. <laughs> and when you look at Bertanian, there's, there's something about him. Uh, other people are welcome to roll this as a difficulty of three, because they're just extrapolating. For Kansas, it's one. Guy, you know Kansas inside and out. It's also one for you. If you are deeply established for that. <laughs> Did you fail? I failed. <laughs> so, it's Bear Tanyan, but your father has done something to him. He's changed out the rapier. He's just... He's... Uh, desecrated your childhood hero. That bastard! It used to be like a, a soft toy, uh, like a soft plushy rapier. Yeah. He's replaced it with an actual metal needle and things. So, 
Can you justify it? Can you justify it to me why you know so much about Kansas's childhood? You don't have to justify it to the other characters. This can merely be as Wong looks, his voiceover begins speaking. <laughs> or, or out loud, as you please. Uh, voiceover, I think, in this case. Well, who knew that all that time spent stalking Kansas Carter would prove instrumental in uncovering the mystery your father had left behind. <laughs> I'm not sure what I expected, but still, I'm still disappointed. So, you and... Wong, you and Guy both noticed that Bertanian's rapier is now this this sharp metal needle. Kansas notices this as well, but does not ascribe any significance to it. They just get annoyed. Yeah. But that's not (coughs) merely steel. That's silver. And in fact, it looks like silver from this very mine. In fact, it looks like silver from... And we suddenly flash back to you guys stepping out of the car, and there's that one nugget sitting there under the front tire of the car that everybody just glances at as they're getting their bags out. But it's got this little thin chip taken out of it about the size of a long silver needle. And, sorry, you reacted to... Yeah. To... Is it, uh, this... Uh, yeah. No, just that. This silver needle shouldn't even be here. Wait. He's ruined it. Oh, you said he would leave a clue. The nugget. I'm talking, but no one's told me. The guy in the background is, is mouthing, pointing at the nugget over there. But, and Wong literally, as he's doing this, steps between <coughs> him and the camera. So there is something over by the <laughs> What? That needle. It is... Integral to the nugget out there. Well, they got me to say no more. Alright, let's, let's take a look. You go over to that silver yeah. nugget. As you pick it up, it's, it's surprisingly light. Yeah. Um, as if it's not made of ne- uh, silver at all, but paper mache painted silver. Thankfully, I parked there, otherwise, it could have blown away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's literally sitting under the tire, just up against the tire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The nugget that guy is holding. That random individual. I've <laughs> never seen It must before. be a Colorado miner. <laughs> Hello. I, we believe there's something wrong with that nugget. Something important. It's paper mache, Miss Carter. You know my name. Yes. I'm Wait. one of the doctor's assistants. I've been here looking for him. <laughs> we believe we may have found a clue to his whereabouts. Would that be the silver piece of metal he left behind? Exactly. To lead to this? You have discerned exactly my thought processes. Paper mache <laughs> silver nugget which you can tear apart trivially. Um, and when you tear it open, ah, there's something in there on the inside. The paper has writing <coughs> on it, 
the inside is the inside is hollow. Like there's something about the size of a double fist. And, what does and the you writing say? I was going to say, you look into the inside, <laughs> and it says, "Forgive me, old friend. I have no time to write." <laughs> Burn it. Burn it all. And inside there, there is a key. An old, rusted metal key that doesn't seem to um, uh, correlate to anything obvious here. It doesn't inherently have any connection to the mine. Perhaps it was left here in 1803. Perhaps. But it, it doesn't seem that... Well, it's, it's 1930-something now, so that would be like 130 years ago. It doesn't seem that old. In fact, it looks, uh, you know, maybe-ish 20 years old. Although it would seem unlikely. I'm setting up a camp. We might be here a while. There's only one tent, so I'm putting up a few others. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, when when you go over and open the back of the car, it does seem to be really well prepared with half a dozen high quality, you know, outdoor cold resistant tents that you start setting up. In of fact, course, each tent is labelled for each individual and has the right appropriate gear for them. Yep. One is one is a high quality science tent. One is a just basically a TP. <laughs> yeah. But I do look around like his existing campsite. Told me he's got his own tent. There must have been a fireplace that yep, existed. Absolutely. So as I'm setting up this camp, I'm getting familiar with the surroundings, <coughs> where he went and got water, and where he had fire and everything else. And maybe I stumble across something as I'm doing this. You're relying on sort of blind luck for Pretty this. much. Okay. Uh, can you give me two dice of blind luck? I'm going to start talking to her about things and things, and I will trip over whatever she's looking for. Success! <laughs> so Guy is helping you set up the tents and that as you sort of move around looking for things. <coughs> Dr. Jones is, is sciencing, uh, although you can at any point have finished your science and come over whenever you fancy. Feel free to just walk into the middle of whatever scene you desire. Uh, Wong and Kansas are looking at this key and discussing, and you guys trip over, and this one is a it looks like an old Indian style arrowhead, uh, like so, like so. But what's unusual about it? Obviously, there are native Indians in the Colorado mountains. Um, obviously, obviously. <laughs> what's unusual about it is this is clearly to be unearthed and set up deliberately because Guy actually trips over it <coughs> and almost falls and cuts himself but Grace is so quick and so skillful and so much the heroine that she grabs him by the neck and pulls him back before he falls on this pointed up arrowhead uh, Grace when you look at this as a native of somewhere you automatically know everything about Native American Indians oh, absolutely. Uh, this arrowhead is not indigenous to the area it has been planted here it's from East Colorado <laughs> exactly that's exactly what it is. This is a clearly an East Colorado this is area. on the wrong side of the mountains. It should be a hundred meters that way. <laughs> it should be in the next seat over there. This truck never came over here. They had a feud. But not a feud where you shoot arrows at each other. A different thing. <laughs> a family feud. Kansas and Wong, when you look at this key, it becomes obvious, in fact, that the prongs, the, uh, what do you call them, the 
it, it, it's one of those old-fashioned keys, so it's got two huge fat teeth on the end. But they are also paper mache, <coughs> and when you bend them off, you can just read, I will write again in two days. Like, this key has no prongs or teeth or anything on it. It's just flat. And at this point, both of you can roll me 1d6. Uh, actually, Wong's is down to 1, Kansas, yours is up to 2. I'm fine, I've got plenty, I'll just get a 6 on that one. Look, two sixes. So, Wong, your intricate stalking didn't cover this particular small object, possibly because it's not directly affiliated with Kansas herself. Uh, Kansas, you look at this key and you think, ah, yes, you know this. This is from not your childhood, but more your your early teen years, sort of 12, 13. Um, when you found this key that your father had hidden under his pillow, and you were looking around wondering what it opened, he came in and he, he went berserk, and we have a flashback of him going, Young lady, this key is not for you. It is not the sort of thing you need to see. It absolutely does not it. fit that lockbox over there. There are father things in there, and, and you don't need to see them. And he takes the key and snaps the prongs off the end. As a young lady, as a young lady like yourself, there's no reason for you to look in that secret, forbidden box of mystery. In fact, I forbid it. <sighs> Mysteriously. But Battalion and Battalion's code says that we sh- don't quote me a bear that is a mythological figure. There is no historical evidence to suggest that Bear Tanyan ever existed in France. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> a broken key is of no use to anyone. But two of you, two groups come yep. together. I'm making an arrow to fit my arrowhead in a bow to shoot it. It's the damnedest thing. You you can't get it to fit your usual like you 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 make a normal size arrow. It doesn't fit the little. Um, the it can walk out to me as little, I'm trying little to do it. Is, the little slot is too small. It needs something smaller to fit in it than a, than an arrowhead. This is very odd. What did you find? We found this useless key. An arrowhead. You said doesn't fit an arrow. In fact, Grace. When you try to use arrow, arrowhead with arrow, <laughs> you work out that these items do not work together. <laughs> this isn't an arrow. Both <laughs> item boxes are red. They can't be moved. <laughs> what do you make of this? Give arrowhead to Kansas. <laughs> alright, alright. Inventory first. Batanian. <laughs> <laughs> Arrow and Bertanian do not combine. <laughs> They'll combine everything but the key last. <laughs> They'll start from the top left. <laughs> yeah, it just so happens. And we, we, we then we then cut to the moon is slightly high in the sky now. Dr. Jones, at this point, you have literally built a laboratory <laughs> outside the mine. Little to no time is finished, but we've got piles of snow on us. Yeah, yeah this is what I've done, and I, it's only going to take me like five 
five minutes to actually make the thing I'm making, but of all of us have been making the lab, and I'm sitting there just looking at a plant. Mm. I gathered up all of the pieces of paper, and now we have a burning bonfire. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bonfire that burns up, this snow lightly everywhere, and... I can see the, that doodle thing with the fire with all those pieces of paper slowly moving into the sky. And every time it goes past the camera, there's just another <coughs> word said. I don't know what to do. Use key with cleavage. Those items do not go together. Use arrowhead with cleavage. That could be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Use Wong with... No. <laughs> Wong is not an Use Wong with arrowhead. Use Wong with arrowhead. That is the Wong solution. <laughs> no, I meant use Wong with cleavage. <laughs> You can use Wong with cleavage if you so desire. That's a combination you haven't tried yet. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow night. You said you were leaving the key in the arrowhead till last. <laughs> but you're not in my inventory. He could be a Give him a stealth roll. <laughs> if the recall probably the tenure is defending you. <laughs> You have notes for the situation. <laughs> uh, yes. One of her listed pieces of equipment is that her cleavage is extraordinarily large enough to conceal throwing knives within it. So you know it could have other things in there as well. Yeah. And Wong is extraordinarily lithe and agile. So it can have throwing knives, but not an arrowhead. <laughs> <laughs> not without some strength in science. And I know for a fact that I don't have any throwing knives, so I take out less space. <laughs> Combine key with arrowhead. Click! These two items work together! Uncombined with Every adventure game requires this obnoxiously inconceivable. And when you look at them together, you realize that these things form a sort of arrow. There's like a key and a pointy head, and when you look at it, the pointy head is pointing into the mineshaft! <laughs> Aha! I've done it! <laughs> what? What did you do? That was my line. Why did you steal it? <laughs> I'm standing there holding a glowing flask, and now we can actually light our path! That's what I've been doing the whole time. And as you walk over, Dr. Jones, you see, ah, well, that's interesting. Right, you know, she's got a, she's, she, she, she's got a polar mag, a polar magnetic key, and a polar and a polar repellent head, which when she's combined the frequencies and variated the constabularables, mm-hmm. obviously that will be magnetically attracted to silver. So no matter which way you point the arrow, it's always going to swing back and point at the mine. It's a clue. <laughs> he went the only way he could have possibly gone. <laughs> it's just simple meteorology, Doctor Jones. I have it. Yes, he went into the mines. Yes, and we're going to go in there and find some dad stuff. There's always bad stuff in here. All of that's entirely in the game because of what Nathan said about 20 minutes ago now. The entire pixel bitching adventure is not in my notes at all. You may blame Nathan entirely. And as Dr. Jones sets up his Mr. Glowing Light Source, I pick up a stick from the fire and walk in with... You too have light. It's magic. Your native powers are truly extraordinary to create fire and light wood. 
Dr. Jones figured out fairly early on that he could create light in a couple of minutes, but it would be much more efficient long term if he set up an assembly line so that he could create abundant sources of light on demand. As a a secondary effect of setting up this light in a bottle, you could now easily, you know, set up a fully operational mine running here again. But no, you see, I just did that because I needed the silver, because this silver in the specific region, when combined with a certain fluid, creates this light source. But I'm not going to pull it out with my bare hands. These hands are for science, these are not for mining. So I needed to set up this device to go in there, and there's the <coughs> surface silver, that's no good. It needs to go deep and get in the deep silver and bring that here for the so, light source. So now we've got a bomb disposal robot. So, just to be clear, you need, to, you need the light so you can get into the silver mine to get the silver to use with the light. Yes. That does sound like we're back on the pixel mission. Yeah. <laughs> so question if it's Grace, Grace, meanwhile, has managed to successfully combine fire with stick. <laughs> <laughs> now, while that does seem kind of dumb, it really is quite impressive the way she can just take a completely random stick that she found in the <coughs> rocky mountains of Colorado where there are no trees growing up at this altitude at all. She just sticks it in the fire, and it starts burning. But miraculously, the stick never kind of burns down or anything of the sort. There's no fuel oh, source. There's no, right. there's no cloth attached to it. The fire just kind of glows on the end endlessly. I, I use lantern. That's <laughs> <laughs> science silver glowy stuff. <laughs> I've actually used a flaming torch before. They suck. They're terrible. <laughs> Here, they seem to project a large amount of light. Conveniently, exactly the same amount as the Doctor's amazing glowing light bottle. You're trying to do it here. All the crap that's sitting on fire is pissing up black smoke everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And now that you've used light with mine entrance, you can see into it. (laughs) Whereas before, whenever you tried to walk into it, you went, this is too dark. You may be eaten by a groom. Yep. yep. You can hear the groom down there. So... Miraculously, it slopes very rapidly into a steep hill, and it looks like there is one long, incredibly lengthy track heading down to the mines. This could take a long time to walk. I'll surf it. That would be quicker. Yes. What about for people who aren't as agile and Asian as you? They can catch up. So Wong's well, just going to ride the rails. I'm going to get a nice little pillow and put it in one of the minecarts. The minecart I conveniently set up for my mining expedition earlier. In the assembly line, or yes. each one equipped with a little glowy light bulb. Yes, exactly. <laughs> into the minecarts? Yep. Yep. You step into them. <coughs> They're, of course, like these old rusty things. They've got the big rusty handbrake on them. You go and pull the brake off and shoot over the edge you go. You will get about two people into a minecart, so you can... Wong doesn't need one, apparently, because he's just surfing. We'll see how well that's going for him in a moment. Everyone else can decide amongst yourselves how you want to be divided up into the minecart. There's three of you, Dr. Reginald Jones, Grace Fallingcork, and Kansas Carter, so you'll need at least two minecarts. Unfortunately, Ms. Carter takes up two spaces. (laughs) Ah, see... Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I think it sure. makes sense. That's it's, it's her and her breasts. No, it's me and her, but no one notices me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> her breasts have a separate billing in the, have a separate billing in the book. Oh, I get paid twice. Starring Kansas Carter and righty and lefty. 
<laughs> with special things. Dr. To Jones Dr. is Dr. with Hans Newman. <laughs> <laughs> and Wonder And I'll tell me extensively how I set this up on the way. With science. And you begin to glide down Kansas. You really feel like you've got this minecart figured out. No sooner did you set up your elegant pillow and sit down on it with your, you know, high heels comfortably yep. positioned in the end, then it just started like practically driving itself. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, Grace, naturally, your people have been underground several times, and of course, mining is kind of like science, so both of you know what you're doing exactly. here. Uh, and the mine carts wheel over the edge of the steep cliff and go down into the dark. Oh, now, you do know there is a science called geology. I have a PhD in that. Of course you do. Which would be good. We've got this book with a stone on the front of it. Can you actually test it? No! It's bad! It's bad! <laughs> Uh, an incredibly obscure <laughs> in-joke to our Masters of Nihilism campaign, which only we keep looking for a scientist who has geology. <laughs> there is one of the occult tomes they found had a slice of an unknown rock in the front, and if you make your geology check, all that it tells you is this is of unknown alien origin. <laughs> uh, that's all it does. Players all failed the geology check, went out, Hired a geologist. I gave them an NPC with like 70% skill rating. He failed his geology <laughs> check. They went to another country and hired another geologist. He failed his geology <laughs> check. Five out of six <laughs> countries into the town. I think they finally had... How did you identify it? Uh, in the end, we actually found the monster that turned uh, yes, into the stone you, you found, They found the stone monster that it was made of a slice of, and thus finally worked out what it was, and that it was of no consequence whatsoever. <laughs> having chased it across five five different countries. So by failing your check, it's of unknown origin, and by succeeding, it's of unknown alien origin. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's it's just a completely inconsequential yeah. minor detail. So the people that don't know anything don't know what it is, and the people that do know something don't know what it is, but they know and, that they don't know. And what because it is. it's a mystery and it's got red herrings and things in it, I don't like to tell players that you know you stop can stop, poking, yeah. stop poking. It's not important because some of the things are deliberately red herrings. So I just sat there and watched them hire geologist after ge- and the default yeah, geology funny. skill, if no one has any points in it, is one percent. And I think people encourage Nathan to make his new character a geologist because he said, I, "I want a science." I'm not sure which one. People said geology, so he solved the geology mystery. He went with chemistry. Anyway, <laughs> most obscure what? side joke of the night goes to camera. If, if everyone has a one percent chance, you just ask everyone on the street, you know what this is, and one of them will roll a one. Ah, but one of them will be a cultist. Who More than likely, there's a greater chance he'll be a cultist. <laughs> so Wong, you are sliding down the slippery, slick, dark rail into the darkness. So you have no light source for this, or well, no? But I'm a mysterious ninja, and the shadows are my friend. That's true. <laughs> okay. Can you give me 2d6? You say all that. No. Fuck it. 3d6. <laughs> wow. So. Uh, there you go. What? 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 Are you sure you want to pass this? 
Can I counter that? As, counter that? Absolutely. As long as you can justify, um, if you are interfering, <coughs> which doesn't have to be something Kansas is deliberately doing. Yeah. Uh, all you have to be able to do is justify how that relates well, to Kansas. So it, it, it's so obvious. <laughs> he was really close to me for a number of portions. Yeah. That's a lot of perfume. It's going to cloud his head. It's going to cloud his mind. Obviously. And a ninja must have a clear mind if he is going to do any task. Absolutely. So one of your successes gets flicked back to a failure? Well, it depends on what he's flicking it back to. Well, yes. He he gets to choose what... Yes, you're currently on three successes. Nathan can spend a hero point to keep it at that. (laughs) 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 Uh, All right, then. I'm on two successes out of three as uh, the lantern is strategically positioned to highlight Kansas's cleavage and uh, Wong is distracted by the perfume and the view behind him. So your balance is, is absolutely perfect, and you are doing this in bare feet down a splintery wooden track that is covered in spiky bolt, little metal bolts and rust and all the rest of it. None of that troubles you in any way. No difficulty peeping your footing... No damage associated with this. No problem. Uh, mysteriously, despite the fact that you left a good minute earlier than everyone, you are not substantively faster than the minecarts. They are several meters behind you, just enough yep. that, as we established, you can see the light in Kansas' cleavage. The only flaw in your otherwise flawless plan is when you glance back, you miss the fact that the tracks break off into two bits here. And you go that way... <laughs> And the other PCs go that way because you trip the switch inadvertently yep. with your elbow as you go past. And so they skate off down the right way. It, it was and you elbow. went the wrong way! And you went the wrong way! Hero points for terrible fun. And so, Wong, as you descend down... You can hear a noise in the darkness ahead of you. I knew I should a be descending up. Noise. What could it be? What are you going to do about it? Well, Just wait until you 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 have <coughs> to, you you have no trouble keeping your balance, and you can flip and jump between tracks and all this sort of shit. But you have no way of arresting your momentum here. Hmm. Um. All right. I I think uh, Master Park would insist that to act without knowledge is folly, and so I shall wait to see what is causing the noise and then decide in the split second before the inevitable doom how I'll evade it. Okay. Uh, Can you roll me a science check? (laughs) Your science skill, that would be two dice for you. Uh, One success. Okay. So... You hear the sound of falling liquid, and aha, it's an underground waterfall. The tracks must go right through it. I was actually assuming waterfall based on the sound. It sounds moderately heavy, but, you know. (coughs) You don't think this is going to overly trouble you. And you just kind of slide on through it. Like it, It seems like the tracks are going into it. So, no problem. Only problem is that it's not actually water, it's acid that they used to etch the silver previously. Ah. 
Uh, were you a scientist, you would have trivially identified this. As, as, it we, is, as we go back to the other cut, I'm telling people about how they used it acid and they probably got a waterfall on it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what we cut to. And you just slide through it and it burns off your top, exposing your eight pack entirely, but it does seem to be burning at the skin and now can you give me two dice? Success. Yeah. So it burns off your top and sears across your abs, you know, burning away any small fragments of dirt or mine dust or anything of the sort, and they gleam in the light. And just at that point, you guys who are descending... You guys are descending down the other side of the track, and it is weaving and winding... And it is getting pretty steep here, and both of you are thinking it might be time to start applying some brakes. Yep. If they work. Of course, as soon as you endeavour to apply the brakes, once you apply more than a slight gentle pressure to it, there's simultaneous snaps as the old rusty metal bars break (laughs) off in your hands. The minecarts scree uncontrollably out of control, (laughs) winding into the dark. And you realize you are going too fast just as you're approaching that massive curve up ahead. You can see reflected in the light, but the light also disturbs something else as you hear the (laughs) noises of thousands of bats descending to blot out the light upon you. Your lights reflect off them. You haven't got a great viewpoint on these bats as you head for Death Corner it says in the sign with a big skull and crossbones up there but there is one still flicker of hope and light up there on an upper track just above you it looks like there is something gleaming in the dark some sign of hope some sign of abs (laughs) and two minecarts are headed for the headed for death corner with a swarm of deadly mine bats. Mine bats. They, each one of them is, of course, preposterously large. You know, yay by yay. <coughs> well, you are in an advas- advantageous position to anything you choose to do about this. I have the high ground. You have the high <laughs> ground. Over to the players. I have a bald eagle. <laughs> <laughs> the natural enemy of the mine bats. <laughs> and while you're getting rid of the bats and clearing up the light, well, how convenient these lights make amazing adhesive when you need them to. Do they? <laughs> so, that sounds convenient. So I'm going to brace it and I'm going to repair the brake, and because conveniently we're first, I'm going to close it and it's going to stop the minecart behind us too, which I can now see to do because of the bald eagle. Um. I'm going to, from the upper track, sprint down to the lower track on the convenient natural staircase made of mine bats. Who <laughs> um, <laughs> are about to be busily fighting a ball eagle. Well, yes, but I stand on the ones that aren't. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you would never stand on a ball eagle. <laughs> um, with the goal of snapping off a section of track and using it to jam the wheels of the minecart. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, as you approach this, Kansas, you see that your minecart is in trouble. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've been doing a good job steering it thus far. You stand up to heroically take control of this situation, and your ankle twists beneath you. 
<laughs> as your female ankles give out on you and you fall over clutching it, unable to save this situation. Grace. Yes. You sent, you're sending your bald eagle to attack its natural enemy, the mind bat. Can you roll me 2d6 for your eagle manipulation abilities? Oh, that was totally a 6. Of course. And suddenly, where the music has been playing this, dun 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 as we head towards the sinister corner, the music is just immediately overwritten with, you can produce beautiful native music if you so choose. As the bald eagle takes flight and we see above Death Corner is an old, battered, but still proud and standing American flag waving inside the mine from the same breeze that's blowing Kansas's hair. As the bald eagle swoops in and tears the sinister mind bats apart. Hello. And it is driving them off in droves. The, the only problem is the minecart potentially derailing and killing everyone. But Dr. Jones has the situation under control with his science adhesives. Absolutely. Because, and everyone knows, the silver in this region, when melted down, makes an amazing adhesive. Obviously. Specifically when it comes to iron, rusted iron, and combining that together, we're going to fix the break and we're going to stop this thing. Useful for sticky situations. Exactly. That sounds like a preposterous load of shit. Give me two dice. (laughs) (laughs) It would be three, but you've taken advantage of the existing properties of the silver, and it's well-known adhesive to rusty iron. (laughs) (laughs) And if it was like anything, lead would be fucked. So you pick up, you snatch the light off the light, the light bottle off the front of the minecart, and heroically smash it over. And jam the mind break <coughs> lever back on and slowly pull gently into the curve. You don't actually need to stop here, you just need to slow down. Mm-hmm. The mine cart behind you hits, <coughs> bumps, and of course, because the one behind you has bumped slightly and doesn't have any adhesive attaching it, it parts ways with the tracks all together and jumps off the rails entirely as you have derailed the plot. And Kansas is thus thrown out of her minecart to be killed horribly, which is what happens every time you derail the plot, a PC dies. And there's nothing anyone can do about it, because as she flies off into the darkness, her minecart flies off ahead, defying the laws of physics going faster than her, smashes into the wall, and rocks begin to fall. Soon everyone will die. However... Out of the darkness, descending down a staircase of mine vats, comes Wong Wei, <laughs> real hero of the story. <laughs> uh, as you are using your special wire foo skill, you only need to give me one dice here. Descending the bats, like running down a cloud of bats, is the sort of thing you can do trivially. But you have Master to. Master made us do it twice before breakfast e- every morning. <laughs> exactly, knowing that this situation would come up more often than you might think. But you'll have to catch Kansas. That's where the difficulty comes in. There we go. It was meant to be. Unless you want to spend one of your hero points and turn it into a failure. (laughs) So that Nathan Nathan dies. (laughs) Well, 
Nathan was the one that sabotaged me. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm more than happy so to... Kansas, your ankle twists. Things. You are thrown from the minecart. You fly across <coughs> darkness and you see this gigantic rock falling towards you to crush you. And then... Abs leap into the way and your face is jammed oh, wow. against them as Wong snatches you in his arms. You only need one arm to hold her, of course. You run down the cloud of mind bats and with your other fist you punch the rock and shatter it into pieces. <laughs> and then land on the tracks behind and resume your slide. Uh, uh, are we still in darkness? Like, uh, Yes, you are now in complete darkness. You feel a hand on your abs. Brick, I knew you'd return. I've been waiting for your heroics any time. All in a day's work, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> and thus the problem is completely resolved because all the important people have been saved and there was no one else in that minecart who has gone unnoticed <laughs> who is now flying into the darkness. Guy, it would appear you're going to have to save yourself because yeah. no other bugger is going to do it for you. How do you propose <clears throat> doing this? Well... He saw a glimmer of luck when first uh, <coughs> Kansas fell into the minecart because he basically fell in there with him. There was a, the usual convenient tarpaulin. Of course. So they were there together in this nice place about to talk and kabam oh, and knocked oh, off oh. and yeah. she went flying. Yeah, you were just saying, you were just <coughs> summoning up the courage to talk to her about what you've been wanting to talk to her this whole time. You pull your tarp back, you reach up to her and you say, Kansas, I... Boom! <laughs> So they're now barreling down another alleyway, or? Uh, the minecart that you are in that is, is flying off the track. Three. You're yeah, right in off it. Dr. Carter, Dr. Jones, and Grace are slowly into the car. The, um, the ca- canvas cover purpose. that I got covered in and, and then rolled around in like a while, as I got fired up and flying, is actually tied to all four limbs. It's now my own paratroop slash paragliding By sheer convenient luck. Give me a roll. Just one. Six. <laughs> Clearly embarrassed at mistaking who you were. Uh, of course, uh, you really are a hero. I'm sorry for uh, thinking you were broke. It is quite alright. The arts of the ninja rely on deception and invisibility. Well, you were fantastic at that. Amazing, even. Master Park has trained me well. Fuck it. Has Master Park ever trained you to do this? (laughs) (laughs) Once, and it was very awkward. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even shave. Total kiss. Yes, Yes, that's why Master Park is no longer allowed to train the young princess. As soon as you share a heroic kiss, everyone involved in the heroic kiss gets a hero point. Oh, wow. <laughs> because genre. Which means that Grace and the Doctor and the other Kmitekar can <laughs> offer a hero point any time they want by heroically macking on each other. Guy, you will die sad and alone. Grace and Dr. Jones, you have slowed down into the curve. The bald eagle finishes tearing apart the mind bats and flies back to your arm. <laughs> Landing in front of the other other American flag that's down here, uh, conveniently placed over a sort of ventilation shaft, so the wind is just blowing it majestically, mm. and the strange sound <coughs> that the wind makes as it echoes down these mine shafts 
sound a little like somebody desperately trying to play the Star Spangled Banner over the top of native music, and it's just this cacophony of blurted noise instead. And then maybe you slowed down a little too much because there's another violent thud and a tarpaulin lands with a heap, in a heap in the front of your minecart. Um, I'll oh, just push that out of the way there. This cat, this God, it's heavy and awkward and, <laughs> and bounce around. It makes oh, all the bats in here. <laughs> <laughs> the bald eagle. Ah! <laughs> 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 clawing at the top of the bat. I swear these bats they almost sound human. Stop that, you damn bats! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's that guy from Istanbul. He must have followed us. <laughs> Alright. And thus you have solved the minecart dilemma. You have three people now in one minecart, and one person being heroically manly carried by Fong. Are you actually continuing to just lock lips as you oh, slide? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I can navigate by feel. <laughs> and I'm good at surfing. I was waiting for that one. <laughs> so, as it, you descend into a dark tunnel, and then you suddenly cut to you sliding out the other side, uh, Guy is now sitting up at the front of the minecart, completely untied from his tarp and everything, looking... A little bruised, battered. Yeah. A little bruised and battered. Uh, battered. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to get there, but yeah. Uh, Dr. Jones and Grace, you know, you've now realised that there's a guy in the front of your minecart, but, you know, you kind of know him, so it's it's, yeah, it's, cool. it's completely unremarkable in every way. It's like everything he does. Um, and then sliding into the light behind you comes Wong, still macking on Kansas. Um, and Dr. Jones, you're looking at your pocket watch and going, hmm, 30 minutes to get down here. You know, that's that's not a bad descent. Of course, as we know, a good movie cast lasts 30 minutes minimum. Uh-huh. You know, when you get to epic movie sex, that's going to last like 17 straight hours. <laughs> certainly feels like watching those things. Yeah, it's really yeah, awkward. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. But of course, you, you can't do that yet because no, it's not the end of the movie. It's not the end of the movie. Uh, and you burst out into the light, and then you see the cart reaches the end of the tracks and goes clunk to a halt. Wong flips nimbly over the top of it and lands with Kansas still there, and you have survived the minecarts, and you are in a room that is illuminated by these strange devices. They are wooden, and they have fire burning at the top of them. Like... Some sort of light bottle, but made with flame and oil and wood. Remarkable technology. Yeah, I <laughs> You just pick it out. You just pick it out from the bottom of your minecart, where it is still merrily. It's it's your light source has just been laying down here. We see Grace literally reaches down to the minecart, picks out a burning torch. We see Guy hop out, rubbing his foot. <laughs> <laughs> You have come out into what look like a set of stone catacombs in here. This must go deep below where they excavated to. In fact, it's as if the excavations in the mine stopped altogether when they reached this point. The, the mine tracks literally run out as you are now off the railroad again. 
And you are in this large stone cavern marked with mysterious native markings and runic markings and things in that neighborhood. And where you've come out, there's this big illuminated cavern full of torches. You guys are here, um, and you can see off to the side of you, several dozen meters away, is Dr. Claudius Carter. But he is tied to an ancient stone chair, and he has a large device on his chest that is making ticking noises. Meanwhile, across from you, across the other edge of the chasm, you can see a man there. Uh, he is in a Nazi uniform. Of course he what is. What color is his mustache? It is enormous and white, and as <laughs> thick as your fist. Uh, Dr. Jones, you, of course, know this man. Uh, you have run into him in the past. This is Baron Otto von Ruthless. <laughs> uh-huh. Of course it is. And Baron Otto von Ruthless is the leader of the Thule Society. Um, he is sinister and German, excuse the redundancy. <laughs> Um, and he has just finished cutting the rope bridge that leads to his side of the chasm, leaving him over there, and he is holding some sort of gigantic stone key, like the size of his arm, <coughs> and waving it in one fist. That's probably the key that was left here in 1893. And he calls, his voice echoing across the chasm, and says, Ah... Dr. Jones, I presume. I know, really nuts here. Dr. Jones, I presume. And the young lady could only be Miss Kansas Carter. What did you, what did you do to my dad? <laughs> you must be Wong Wei. My associates have warned me of your deadly hands, but you are too far away to stop me now. And you, the mystical Grace Falling Hawk, you also, of course, know exactly who this guy is. Yes. You have come to foil my full society yet again. And, uh... Of it is, Fez. I'm a dull. <laughs> it's on the tip of my tongue. I want to say a babwa. Uh... None of you fools can ever defeat me! And he waves the giant stone key in the air. <laughs> you fools! You do not know who I am. I am Baron Otto von Ruthless, feared founder of the Thule Society. And up comes the caption, Baron Otto von Ruthless, feared, th- feared founder of the Thule Society. I, my head moves as if I'm reading it. <laughs> this key is the first step to unlocking the secrets of the lost park. With it, I will crush capitalism and freedom and make the world unsafe for children. And he twirls his mustache. Ruthless! (laughs) You are too late to stop me, Dr. Jones. Dr. Carter has one of my special bombs attached to his chest. You could catch me, or you could save him. But not both. 
<laughs> and he turns to head away into the darkness, and the little decision wheel comes up of chase Baron von Ruthless, save Dr. Carter. <laughs> you must gather your party before venturing forth. <laughs> and apparently there's only one you can pick from. <laughs> can't split. <laughs> hey, well, you, you look at like this easily jumpable chasm. <laughs> well, of course we must save my dear friend. So, yes, I, I take it there's no... Uh, some of you go that way, some of you go this way. That's absolutely... Everyone sees this decision wheel. Save Dr. Carter. Everyone sees an individual? Everyone sees an individual decision wheel. Save Dr. Carter, pursue Baron von Ruthless. Oh, I see. Mm. Uh, well... I mean, it's one scientist against the fate of the world, so just you found one. One scientist that's Kansas's father. Well, yeah, but she doesn't like him all that. <laughs> so everyone select for yourself and then I'll get a show of hands, so I'll give you a moment to think about it. Then save Dr. Carter. <laughs> Come on, guys! Oh, wow! Just <laughs> joke. <laughs> Um, and everyone else is on pursue Baron Von I'm disappointed in all of my associates I'm today. Sorry, all I'm of sorry. them. Oh, Kansas is going after her father after all. No, no, pursue Baron Von oh, Ruthless. Pursue Baron Von Ruthless. Cause, cause I know what my father would want. He and would, that's going to he be He would his want to die horribly for your fleeting tactical advantage. He would want the scientists to handle the science problem and he'd want the combat monkeys to handle the combat monkey problem. <laughs> okay. So we will then split the party as three of you rush forward towards <coughs> this impassable chasm. <coughs> and Guy and Dr. Jones rush off to the side to attend to Dr. Carter. Yep. Um, Take the door. I appreciate you. <laughs> yes, Doctor. Someone has to. <laughs> and which side do we want to do first? Strong, strong preference? I want to see the ticking time bomb. Okay. <laughs> we cut over to Dr. Jones and Guy. You run over to Dr. Carter. He's <laughs> on like a big ancient stone throne type deity that's clearly part of the catacombs down here. And he has ropes tying him to it under the arms and by his feet but then he's got this contraption on him. It's clearly a <laughs> science bomb mm. made by a scientist because as you know Baron Otto von Ruthless is a mad scientist. He's the worst scientist. The worst kind of scientist. Mm. Not only is he mad, he's here. also occasionally angry. Ooh. And you must always know that even though I screamed Bruce earlier scientists are not allowed to be angry. That's true. <laughs> You're allowed to be passionate, but yes. not angry. Exactly. Anger leads to mad. And <laughs> exactly. So he has this string of wires all around him. Because it's 1930-something, we don't have a digital readout, unless you explicitly want to go looking for one. Um, no, it seems he designs one. It's got a big analog clock on it that's going tick, 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 around rapidly. That's fine. A whole string of red wires going in, a whole string of green wires, a whole string of blue wires... And a whole string of serpent motifed wires. Yeah. <laughs> well, Claudius, I could defuse this, but that would take far too much time. <laughs> Let me read this letter to you. <laughs> Dr. Claudius Carter looks up at you and he says, A 
Thank God you've come. Did you receive my letter? I was rather hoping you got it. It's very important that you know. It may not have made its way to you. I should tell you there's only a moment left for yes, my Yes, please, you must tell me in full detail. I should tell you that what I wrote to you was my dear old friend, Reginald, I'm so close I can taste it. The Rainbow Serpent. <laughs> there's no time to detail it in the slightest because the bomb is about to go off. Perhaps I'm simply worried over nothing. If so, accept another letter, expect another letter in two days. Your friend, Dr. Claudius Carter. <gasps> That's what I wrote to you, old boy. And now I'm rather worried that three quarters of the time we had for this bomb was ticked away while I recited that. Yes, we only have an undetermined number of seconds. That's seen on this clock that seems to keep resetting for some reason. <laughs> yeah, every time the camera pans between him it's reading and the clock, it's just jumped back again another 15 seconds. Yeah, eternally on three seconds left for the clock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is only seconds from disaster. But it was only seconds from disaster when you got here. It's just a matter of proportionally how many seconds. Yes. Do you have any idea which of these wires it could be that we need to cut? It's okay, I have the perfect cutting implement here. It would be that one. That one? Well, if you're so sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay! (laughs) So you're just humming this off by just... Yeah, it's that one? Which which wire is the color? Red, blue, green, or serpent? It's always green. It's always green. Okay. So I will take uh, collectively here between the two of you. Two of you are working on this, but I think this is probably guys. <coughs> Literally, he goes, "Okay, I agree with you." Goes, "That's what I spit out," and that's the little thin thread of silver that was in Bertanian before. Yeah. That falls down and goes into the actual clock device at the same time. Sticking the sticking the hand. <coughs> it locked on three seconds to go. Okay, this sounds like you're relying on bullshit and luck. <laughs> so, guy, give me 3D6. Yep. Uh, original is, of course, exactly the sort of thing you can assist with science on. <laughs> three successes. Okay. So... Unfortunately, Reginald, it seems to you that guy, this this guy, whomever he is, Abdul, Abdul, yes, has <laughs> has gotten it wrong. But this is not the wire that disarms the bomb. Fortunately, though, <coughs> it's the wire that makes the hands move backwards instead of forwards. Ah, which will undis, which which <coughs> will actually set the bomb back to a state. Before it was armed. Ah, yes, of because course. Because that's the science of chronology. Of course, which I also have a PhD in. Of course. Now, the only flaw in this is that everyone knows that a second is faster than a minute. So the second's hand on the clock is going to go backwards before the minute hand gets there, which means that you'll be out of time. And by the time you've exposited all this at length out loud to Dr. Carter, who says, yes, yes, that's exactly the thing I've been trying to warn you about. I wanted to write you a letter about it, but I didn't have any time because I had to go and buy an ice Did cream. Did you run out of paper? <laughs> In fact, I've made so many copies of the letter, you'd be amazed when the paper is gone. And... Unfortunately, I've got one hit. <laughs> unfortunately, the hand is going to go back and set off the bomb and kill everyone. But the silver needle falls into the second's hand, so only the smaller minute hand moves round, clicks itself back, and disarms the bomb. And as soon as it's clicked back to an unset state, all the wires fall out, and all the components of the bomb fall apart, unmake themselves, and fall into nicely organized packages lying on the floor sorted by shape and colour. 
Well, of course, that's how bombs behave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's this is how you'd put it together. You're resetting it to a state it was in before you would have put it together. This is science. As someone with a PhD in bomb making, this is exactly how it works. Exactly. It's also yeah. why you're on the FBI watch. <laughs> it was a little suspicious when you had to go to Tehran to get that PhD in bomb making. But none of the American universities would support that. <laughs> For some reason, it was listed as botany. <laughs> Meanwhile... Uh, then, of course, while this is happening, we're literally intercutting flash, 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 flash between the two groups. So <coughs> the players, I'll do it one by one. So that's happening. And then we cut back to the tick, 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 tick noise in the background. As you guys sprint towards the chasm, you look at the big leap. We cut back to where the bomb is only seconds away from destruction. We cut back to you looking at the chasm. We cut back to the bomb is still only seconds away from destruction. We cut back to the chasm... How are you guys going to get across to Baron Otto von Ruthless, who is heading off that way? So, Ruthless cut the rope bridge. Yeah, so I'll, but it's still I'll draw you, I'll sketch you a very crude thing with hero points. You guys are over this side. There was a bridge between you. There's another thing over here. He's cut the bridge, so it's dangling down there. So uh, unless you want to try and establish it's dangling elsewhere. Wait, well, what, what I was thinking was... It on this side, it would be hanging that way. You're now using the real world side. <laughs> you lose a hero point. <laughs> what, I, what I wanted to say was he, he's, he's cut the rope bridge and the bridge is falling and the ropes are completely slack, but that's no obstacle to a master of waifu who can run across them before... Even as they fall. Exactly. Yeah, that does make sense. Uh, so you only need to give me one dice to get across here because this is right up your alley. Yep. You succeed with ease... Wong sprints across the rope bridge as it is falling, you know, at the end, you have no trouble balancing on completely slack ropes, and then at the end, of course, you leap, yep. flip dramatically and land on your feet. Grace of Kansas, do you have a plan for getting across? I had my hook. It can't fly me across, right? But if I leap halfway, it could then provide me with the lift... It does seem preposterous that an ordinary bald eagle would be capable of doing this. However, or willing. it is an American bald eagle which automatically <laughs> lowers your difficulty by one. And it has recently fed on a whole lot of money. It has recently fed on a whole lot of I think you'd probably have to give it some extra strength by, you know, using your native magics and that oh, sort yes, of thing. Definitely. So this would be 2d6, but because we've established you're using an American device, it's only one. <laughs> You leap across and pray to whatever gods you worship, and the eagle catches you and slings you across. And then, alas, at this point, the eagle begins to fall into the darkness, its strength expended. It falls from sight. The the Star-Spangled Banner plays again, (laughs) sadly. And segues into taps. And segues into taps. And then we see the eagle descend to the bottom where it falls into a deep vine shaft and then curves it, slides down Cloud City style, pops out the bottom of the mine shaft where it pops out the side of the mountain and goes, because <laughs> it flies over American Colorado Ranger Station with five American flags <laughs> waving as the eagle flies off to wow. <laughs> I land on the other side and whisper. Rest well, my friend. <laughs> Kansas, can you out Americanize? <laughs> I don't know if I can. <laughs> if I can do anything but stare at Orr. <laughs> <laughs> 
possibly you're actually a native of America. <laughs> I was thinking more Canada. Yeah, it's entirely up to you to define. You are just literally generically native. At any point, you the play, you the character can openly declare what you're a native of. Just holy crap! <laughs> so Kansas, Holy um, Bridge, Chasm, Bridge, Tuesday. Chasm, Tuesday. Uh, throwing knives attached with ropes. This strong adhesive, so it's not like the the the, the, the anyway. The rock doesn't matter anyway. It just yeah, it's sure. in. So, so yeah, you can grab a rope pretty true. <coughs> yeah. You know, there's, in fact, what you probably do is grab at the bridge and slash a piece of rope off it, tie it around one of your knives and throw it. Now, this would be harder because it's not hitting it. That you can do trivially. It's embedding it into the solid stone on the other side. Now, if there were a softer Asian target on the other side, you could embed it into the back of. That might be easier. <laughs> I'm not after kissing him, but stab him in the back. What? Well, don't don't you know, when the hot chick makes out with some guy that isn't the hero, it's only so she can betray him before the movie is over. Wow. Uh, So you throw the knife, you will need to give me one to stick it into the stone. You do not need to give me one to hit it at all, that is really simple. Six. Wang! It sticks Wong. into the stone. Yeah, probably up in the, in, the, in the ceiling so I can swing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that makes climb. sense. Sling it into the ceiling and... Dun, 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 Star Spangled Banner is louder than you as you swing across <laughs> the chasm and land on the other side. Mindful of her delicate ankles, I'll provide a... a <laughs> That's totally healed by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, the camera has cut away. Her ankle is completely fine. Oh, sure. Yeah, but, yeah. but we wouldn't want her to hurt herself again. It's okay as long as I don't run. <laughs> I can land in heels. <laughs> and then... As you land on the other side, you see Baron Von Ruthless, who is now several meters away, turns around to you. And he, no! How is it that you foil my plans again? <sighs> I would have thought that a simple rope bridge and a small leap would have been enough to defeat you. <clears throat> However, I can see I am going to need a serious solution. And then... He whistles sharply into the darkness. Oh, Boris! (laughs) And stepping out from the shadows behind, you see a huge big man with muscles upon muscles upon muscles. He's played by the same guy, that uh, Batista, who plays Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy, but not a pussy. You know, this is Batista on some real man steroids. So, you know, three times as thick and broad. He has scars all across his face, a broken <coughs> nose. He has a big skull tattoo across his forehead. Um, he doesn't wear a shirt, of course. He's got 12-pack abs. <laughs> and you Boris will smash! And then walks out towards you. I'm just disappointed he's not played by Pat Roach. Who? The guy that played the big guy in every Indiana Jones film. Uh, yeah, I am so not obscure enough a fan. <laughs> and Boris moves to sort of engage you as Baron Von Ruthless looks to make his getaway. And you can actually see behind him there appears to be like an elevator shaft that he's going up. Over to you three. Leave this guy to me. And I summon 
the internal spirit of the great bear. (laughs) (laughs) So we see the big translucent bear, sort of spiritual bear, burst out behind you and you flex and hulk. Yep. Okay, that is no difficulty for you to do. (laughs) <laughs> to to summon the spirit of the bear, of course. Even, I am in its natural environment. Yeah, any shaman can do that. But <laughs> is even the bear strong enough to grapple with Boris? He steps up to you. This is 2d6 because he's Boris. Let's see what he's got. <laughs> oh, wow, look at that. Two sixes. Shocking! Now, when you spend hero points, you roll whatever you want. So Boris steps up to you and he looks at you and he flexes and it is that pop, pop as the veins in his neck bulge out. And the dainty little native girl, Solomon Spirit, girls do not play with Boris. Boris plays with little girls. Wait, no, Boris, say What Boris means is he likes to grab little girls and start grappling you. And, you know, for the moment, for for a brief moment, he just engulfs you and his huge biceps wrap around your head and there's this squeeze noise and several popping noises and then somehow, incredibly, you push his arms back away. We can see the big translucent bear pulling on the outer of his arms. Grace has him grappled and out of the way, at least temporarily. Kansas and Wong. Up the elevator shaft. She said, leave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, yeah. Um, elevator shaft. Barris can beat Boris. So, you can see Baron Von Ruthless has, has cranked all the wheels and pulleys and that, and the elevator is clattering up, and he shouts down at you as you rush up towards him, you know. You force to come through the long way of the mines. Don't you know there is always a shortcut? Ha 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 ha! I, Baron von Ruthless, have found it using my using my arrow <coughs> with my elevator lever. The one combination you never thought of. Ha 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 ha! And he pulls the elevator lever arrow, and the elevator is shooting <coughs> off into the darkness above you. What are you gonna do? Is there time to grab hold of the bottom of the elevator cage? Absolutely. Then I'll grab hold of the bottom of the elevator cage. Particularly as I, I imagine Kansas being slightly as agile yeah. to you, it's probably the two of you run up, you turn, put one, put your yeah. hands down, flip her up, she grabs it, you leap up and grab it as well. Yeah. The two of you are hanging from this elevator, this, this bottom of this elevator cage. It's of course the classic, it has got bars he could put over the front to close it, but he hasn't. And he leans over the edge. So, he keeps going Asian because of that. So, you think you can challenge Baron Otto von Ruthless? I will crush your girly fingers. I am not too much of a good man to hit a girl, or even a bald girl. Ha ha ha! I insult your masculinity because you are not my true arch nemesis, Brick Harrison, who I have already kidnapped and put in my custody. Now to stomp on your hands! And he reaches. (laughs) (laughs) He steps Ah, ah, ah. (laughs) The Order of the Mystical Flying Great Tiger has prepared me for you, one with moustache like albino tiger. So. You'll know my secret name. The prophecy has been revealed to my order. 
prophecies will mean nothing. When I myself am a god, what is the matter? You think you fight a man here? Soon you will face a god! Okay. He's bringing his foot down to stomp on your hand. <laughs> Alright, I put a blade there. Like, flick it up under <laughs> yeah. the sole of his foot? Give me a single blade roll. He stomps his foot down hard. This does actually crush your hand. He yeah. sort of wince in pain briefly. And then he argh, pulls his boot away. No! What can possibly stand up to the power of, of Nazi jackboots? <laughs> A knife, American steel, <laughs> the American only steel. thing that can cut through a Nazi jackpot. <laughs> well, you can like trivially flip up into the elevator if you want to. That's a, a no roll for sure. you. He's in front of you. The oh, elevator is. <coughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still hanging just in case uh, he does crush cancer. and, and any time you choose not to be, you can choose not yep. to. Be. And the elevator is descending, ascending up rapidly. Over to you. You want to take any actions here? Yeah? Uh, I yeah, I'll I'll actually uh, grab Kansas's wrist to give her a swing. Yep. Over up and yep. over so that uh, she's not hanging anymore. Yep. So the two of you are hanging by your hands in an elevator, and you're going to grab her by the wrist and one-handed flick her onto the elevator. Yeah, sort of <laughs> sure. swing it. Well, it's the, you hold her, she, you, she lets go, and then you swing around. Yeah, I mean, you've got, like, you know, moderate human strength. That's no trouble at all for you to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, what player here could not achieve such a simple thing? <laughs> and you want to swing up as well? Yeah. Okay. So that's probably your, yeah. your action for the round then. By the time you get her up and swing up, and the two of you ascend up into the darkness, uh, we'll move on briefly. The two of you ascend up into the darkness as Baron von Ruthless turns around to you. So, you think you have me trapped, but you will find that when you have caught a tiger by the tail that the most dangerous animal of all is like the snake. Ha 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 ha! He says, and pulls out this enormous machete. Well, it translates better if you say it in German. <laughs> and steps in and swings and clangs blades with you and swings yeah, the machete. Smaller knife. <laughs> yeah, swings the machete into your arms repeatedly and you just, of course, it bounces off your iron-like skin. Meanwhile, Grace, you are grappling with Boris. You, you are as strong as, you are strong like bear. In fact, he says, you are strong like bear. But Boris is strong like Boris. <laughs> Takes more than strength. More than strength? Yes. I fight for what is right. Boris not understand the right. Boris understands strength. <laughs> then I will show you strength. Okay, and the two of you grapple back and forth. You you cannot get enough advantage of him to like pin him down or knock him out or anything like that. But then you realize the big chasm is there, and 
you turn him and sling him down into it, mm. and he no falls. And as he's falling just out of sight, you see him punch into the rock <laughs> wall, and literally he puts his hands in it and just grinds <laughs> himself to a halt and begins to very slowly climb up again. He's going to take you know twenty minutes to get up here, so you're fine in that regard. Meanwhile, the two of it's you. Okay, I'll wait. The two of you grab Dr. Claudius Carter and he says, oh, thank goodness. Uh, thank goodness. We have to get after my daughter up there. And the camera cuts to all three of you are standing on the other side of the chasm now, yeah. under the elevators, yeah. next to the second elevator that is just uh, sitting there uh, waiting. Uh, well, you know, there's... Bomb is kind of still slightly dangerous, so you know the dangerous explosive part can be tossed into the chasm behind us. Safe disposal, and then we move on. Aha! You hear? <laughs> Boris has found climbing equipment. <laughs> Boris will pull hands out of clock, and boom! And you see Boris go flying up the elevator shaft. Bla- Boris blasting off again. Boris is blasting off again. Did <laughs> it happen before? <laughs> You can have another one for that. <laughs> um, Boris blasts off up the elevator shaft. The three of you, the four of you, in fact, because Grace will pretty much hop on the same elevator shaft, go ascending up, and you all head up into a tunnel and into another big tunnel up here. Wong and uh, Wong and Kansas and Baron von Ruthless ahead of you. But only very slightly. Fighting away. Fighting away dramatically. They fight up into the <laughs> tunnel. Lights come on in the tunnel as you guys step off the elevator shaft, and then you hear... <laughs> of, oh, you would say... 248 guns cocking. Are they ninjas? No, they are Nazis. Full society members, all pointing rifles and machine guns at the five of you and Dr. Carter. Now, were there only 240 of them, you would feel pretty confident in your ability to take them. But at 248, that's too many. And Baron von Ruthless folds his arms. So, once again, VC, there is nothing you have that I cannot possibly possess. Turn Dr. Carter back over to me. I may still have uses for him. I have a question. Yes? Well, why didn't you use your 248 Nazi soldiers down there before when we came? Do you have any idea of the load capacity of this standardized silver mining elevator circa Colorado 1859? I think not. <laughs> you are not a scientist. You do not it's understand 12. the science of vape It's exactly 12. <laughs> Yeah, but Boris counts for 11. (laughs) (laughs) And they point endless guns at you and Baron von Ruthless grabs Dr. Carter and pulls him away, but not before he whispers to uh, both of you two, the guy and Dr. Jones, roll me a d6. Whoever gets higher gets the secret message. Five? Four. Of course, Guy isn't going to be you. He literally <laughs> shoves you out of the way so he can lean across to Dr. Jones and he says, The key, it fits the lost temple of, Z- it fits the missing temple of Zertigo. It's in 
the Amazon jungle, he whispers as he's pulled aside. And that's easily enough information for you to find it. Obviously. The Amazon jungle. Oh, just use calculus to find it. (laughs) Obviously, am I right? Uh Uh-huh. And he is pulled away, and there are a million guns up against you here. And you have your choice of how you are going to be inevitably captured. You can surrender to this, you can go down in a hail of bludgeoning blows, you can achieve other cleverer outcomes. As you please as players. I think uh, once it becomes apparent that the odds are inconceivable and uh, insurmountable, Master Park would advise that it's better to live to fight another day and Wong will... Stand and raise his hand and wait. Kansas? Pretty much gonna do the same thing. Oh, you nasty boys, you've caught me. Drop the blade which falls point (laughs) up, quivering in the ground. They can always, you know, get my physical body, but they'll never keep me imprisoned in my mind. Never chain your spirit. Yeah, they they will in fact come up and put big manacles on Grace and she says, You will never chain my spirit. Jones. Take that, you nasty, you nasty bastard! Punch one across the face, get gun butted in the back of the head. Yep, gun butted in the back of the head, down you go. Ha, 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 ha. It would seem some calculations of the Because someone's just been knocked over, his head's fallen off. Well, the thing is, is, guy, you know, your friends are being captured here, and it is obvious that you personally are not a strong combatant. Yep. You are massively outnumbered here by this vast army <coughs> of completely faceless minions. Exactly. So he's just punched someone on the ground. Yep, he's knocked off. Jones knocks a hat off a Nazi. <laughs> you pick it up, <laughs> put it on. And arrest this horrible man. And slap the chains on Dr. Jones as you walk off. <laughs> Abdul, how could you betray me like that? <laughs> no, no, that's... I'm, that's, I'm yeah. Hans! When you look at him, that's clearly Hans, not Abdul. And then we see Baron von Ruthless looks over the body. Take them away. You will never escape my sinister trap. Take them to Castle Villanos. Wow. <laughs> and the red line moves to Castle Villainous, Transylvania. Yeah. <laughs> just so you can pull out the accent. Uh, so you may want to um, <laughs> yeah, just write down how many hero way. points you have. Take a uh, note. That is where we will suspend it. And when you open your eyes, with the exception of Guy, who can pretty much dictate his entrance wherever he pleases, you are all tied to chairs and Brick is unconscious next to you. Maybe. Maybe. And that is where may not be unconscious next to us. And so we, we then cut to the serial voiceover. <coughs> Baron, von, Baron Otto von Ruthless has captured our brave heroes. Is there any way they can escape? No, it would seem their doom is certain. Dum, dum, dum. And that's part one of Raiders of the Lost Path.